Hello, Legionnaires, and welcome to episode 132 of RPG Digest. In segment one, we read through a tabletop RPG to introduce it to you, and oftentimes to ourselves as well. In segment two, we provide higher-level overviews and fundamentals, and even the occasional how-to of system settings and game mechanics. I am John Maxley-Auslow, your favorite curmudgeon, critic, and judge. Along with me, as usual, is our second stage Promethean Protector, <laughs> Brett Heathen Dog Grismer. How are you? How are you today, oh eminent one? I am a multi-dimensional monster. <laughs> You're gonna find out what that means later on, but uh, I'm doing well. I hope we all hope we too find all of you well. That would be great. And yes, uh, some some of you, some of you. It, oh no! I hope you're. You know what? I hope you're well until we make you not well. How about that? There we go. There we go. There There's is. a couple of hate watchers out there. You know what? Thank you for hate watching. <laughs> That's fine. So uh, let's see. Uh, what happened to you this week? Well, I, I want to let you know that uh, that I, there are two things I forgot to tell you before the stream. Number one, I did upload that book for you. Finally, okay. I did it this morning, not yesterday. My, my mistake. And I have neighbors mowing grass and they started on the opposite side of the yard. So it's probably going to, I've had it actually infiltrate this before. If it happens, um, I'll mute. Okay. So I, they have a, a freaking mower from like 1940 or something. It's like, it spews hey. out black plumes of. <laughs> hey, those things last forever, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my, my mom still has a fridge made in the seventies. There we go. Works great. <laughs> Got the, 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 the rounded edges. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. it locks, so, so if you put a kid in there, that motherfucker's going to die. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <This> kid's dead. <laughs> Um, this week for me, uh, I had an interesting long talk at work with my supervisor's supervisor. So uh, kind of found out that, uh, well, I think it's finally the writings on the wall where I'm not going to end up doing what I was actually hired to do. And we're going to have to figure out uh, a way around that. So and it was a, it was a good conversation. Don't get me wrong. It's not like, oh, God, I'm screwed. But uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, other than that, I've been reading a little bit more in the game that I hope to be running, trying to figure out exactly how I want to put it together. Um, and maybe a more of note, some of you know this, but last week after I finished all the stuff. So, so what happens when the stream is done? Let's say we have a three and a half, four hour stream, right? It mm -hmm. takes me about four hours to do everything, especially when we start a new game like today, because I... Uh, I cheated this week and I've actually got most of it already done. I had time yesterday, but it took me four hours to get all the blurbs done, get all the tags done, get everything I need to do for, cause we're going to have six videos coming out of today's stream. That's a, a lot of work getting on the webpage, getting all the twi uh, twits, yes, getting all the twits done. Uh, and, and, you know, so forth. But last week, surprisingly, I got done like really early. Like it only took me like an hour and a half, two hours to get everything done, which is just, that's lightning fast. Uh, so I actually played in GM's Elko's Pathfinder 2 game. How'd that work out? Uh, it actually worked out really well. I, I, had, I had a fun time. You know, a couple little idiosyncrasies, kind of like with RPG is dumb, a couple little idiosyncrasies, partly because of playing online and <laughs> partly because even GM's Elkove admitted, yeah, I just completely ignored what you said right there three times. i <laughs> 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 like, okay, that, you know. But uh, no, it, it, was, it was actually a really good time. Uh, it didn't get all pathfindery with uh, looking everything up and checking out actions and so forth. But uh, and surprisingly, he offered me to come back and play. So uh, I, you know, if I have time, like I said today, I cheated. So today I might be in again. We'll see. It's up to him, of course. I'm playing an NPC, so if he doesn't have room for it, it's not going to happen. But uh, 
Yeah, other than that, week was fairly boring, still waiting for our dishwasher to get fixed. Oh, well, you already have a dishwasher. <laughs> there yeah. it is. Yeah. There. Hey, Violet Souls, everything. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Nice. Hey, you know what? You, you you can tell her in in our house. I'm the dishwasher. So that is fair. Yep. yep. That's that's the way it is. If, so if our dishwasher broke down, well, these work. So dishes are. Well, fine. actually, I prefer that anyway. Uh, really, I I do. I I might sound old of me, but one of the things I found out with dishwashers is that uh, you basically have to clean the damn dishes first anyway. So I may as well just fully clean them, sterilize them, and rinse them, and call it a day. Like I just doesn't seem to—it doesn't seem to help. Let's put it that way. I—I uh, I don't find it saving that much time. But you know, anyway, we'll get that taken care of. Also, um, one thing here that I did notice—I I paid a bit of attention to uh, the YouTube channel. YouTube has been slowly going through a lot of our videos and demonetizing them. Well, limited monetizing. Wow. And, it's it's a known issue. Uh, YouTube changed some policies a couple of months ago, and it takes time for the AI and the bots and all the other, other stuff to kick into your videos. And they're definitely kicking into ours. <laughs> so, um, yeah. What, what What's their blanket reasons? Everything. Literally. Said, said a poo-poo word within X amount of time. Oh, you said something bad about uh, marginalized people. Oh, Max showed us gun on stream again. Oh, uh, you know, what whatever. Like, just whatever it wants to pick up. Oh, Bruce said a naughty word or uh, you slapped your camera and that's violence against somebody or something. I don't know. Like just, it's yeah. So they're going through and every day I look, I see a lot more yellow and it's getting, so um, what I got to ask for you guys. Oh, and the other thing is our subscribers are going up. That's a good thing, right? We're getting yeah. more subscribers. People are, are coming to the channel, but our views and watch time are dying. They're flatlining. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So you guys can help out. Just one thing, just one thing you can do to help out. It's the thing that's the most important. Share. Seriously. If you find a video of ours that you like, hey, these guys are talking about Hyperborea. Send it to Hyperborea Forum. Hey, these guys are talking about Palladium. Look, I think I gained the respect of a couple of people over in the Palladium community. Why? Because most people thought I was going to light into them. Like, F you, blah, blah, blah. I didn't. I mean, I, I subtly did, but uh, I, I, did, I didn't do that. And I was like, you know, that's a pretty reasoned response. I'm like, well, thank you. But, uh, you know, because they didn't like how you talked about uh, Sean's game being garbage. And, you know, for whatever reason, I'm over there defending you. I'm his, see that? I'm his protector. But no, uh, so, but you know, whether it's a Discord like that, whether it's a Facebook page, whatever social media you guys use, heck, even if it's just a, a tweet, I don't know. Anything Facebook that you to can, your mom. Facebook to your mom. Yep. There you Moms go. click everything. That's yes, they, why they. That's why. That, that's why they get their accounts hijacked all the time from, from uh, you know, bad guys in India. Crafty, I can tell because I've got a bunch of negative comments on it. This week. <laughs> I did. Why are you doing it that way? This other way is so much better. That's okay. Funny. <laughs> like, that's funny. Like, yeah, it's, it's it's. I don't know if I got downvotes on it, but I definitely got. Uh, Got to, uh, well, you can call this a, a, a mental illness, but uh, it's the way of the world now, man. If you want to live in 1940, that's fine. Um, social media is how people talk these days. Yeah. I, it's, I don't like it either, but it is what it is. Like Social media itself is not a mental illness. It's how people utilize it. And utilizing it to, to sh talk to friends. See, 
Heathen Dog and I were in the Air Force for a long time. Now, me, I I went to multiple bases. You were just at one, correct? Yes. Okay. So I have friends there. I was a contractor that worked in multiple countries. I've been a government civilian that's worked in multiple countries and states. One of the easiest ways for me to stay in contact with people that I made friends with, social media. Sure. So there is a use for it. It is not inherently by itself a mental disease or a mental illness. It is, it's how people use it, just like everything else. So, uh, so I mean, it, I, I, Von Zark is a perfect example. He's a tinfoil hat wearer also. He doesn't use social media. He doesn't need, I mean, it isn't part of his life. I get that. If it's not part of your life, that's perfectly fine. But uh, I just re- uh, got to recontact. Re- I just contacted an old supervisor of mine, a guy I consider a mentor, basically the guy who saved my Air Force career. And if it wasn't for Facebook, I wouldn't have been able to get a hold of him. So. Uh, now, with that said, Twitter isn't real. <laughs> so, yeah, now violence, I can agree with that. Social media is killing society, sure. Yeah, the, the, that's the big problem with, with social media, in, in my opinion, is that uh, people who have no uh, learning or credibility or whatever scream loud and then get get other people who will listen to anyone as long as they agree with them to follow them and then they can somehow become right absolutely no evidence absolutely no no uh no 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 studies to back them up no no facts Mm -hmm. somehow an opinion can be correct opinion cannot be correct to be fair an opinion can also can also not be incorrect it's just what you believe. And the funny thing is, if I'm on the opposite side of the fence of, of Heathen Dog, well, then he's wrong because the studies he he believes in aren't by real people. <laughs> oh, he follows this media's narrative and not that media's narrative. I should say medium. Uh, he, you know, it's, it's never good enough. If I only want to be validated. Then you will find a fucking, sorry, you will find an excuse to be both the victim and the victor at the same time. Yep. And that is the problem with social media. P- people should be given a, 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 a some kind of mental analysis test before <laughs> they're allowed to have a social media account to make sure you are not narcissistic. Manip- I wouldn't be able to have an account. They're narcissistic, <laughs> manipulative, and and easily swayed by feelings. The problem is, is those are the people who run the social media sites. And there you go. See, that that's the problem. They, you know, that's it. So. So and, and, Ke- and Kevin, uh, honestly, yeah, absolutely. If, if it if it doesn't work for you, that's fine. Uh, and, you know, again, Violence Solves Everything says uh, social media in and of itself might not be a mental disease, but it's made mental disease contagious. Yeah, absolutely. That is true. Yes. Yes. It's it, it's the same thing as yelling fire in a crowded theater. You know, people are going to panic even if there's nothing to panic about. Uh, so how about you? How was your week? Well, this week was my son's spring break. And, oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. And so he was home all week. So I didn't get a lot done. Well, didn't get a lot done last night either. <laughs> I had internet. I forgot. I was going to mention <laughs> that. I forgot about it. Night. Yeah, uh, Max had internet issues during the Mech Warrior thing, and I had a I had a prank for him. It was it was for him <laughs> and some viewers, and it got ruined by his stupid internet. Thanks, Spectrum. 
And you know, it's funny. Came back online, played a couple more missions, and then it went out again. Yep. Uh, I went and took a shower. I saw it finally came back up. I actually typed a message to Heathen Dog, and right after I typed that message, went out again. Didn't matter. I was doing something else at the time, but still, it was just like <laughs> this yeah, morning. I, I got, got up and I checked. Two hours later, and I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. <laughs> I sent him out. No idea. The whole point was like I wasn't even going to try to to get back in there and explain what was going on. I don't even remember what we were talking about. I was just like, I'm out. And he's like, what are you talking about? Out of what? what are you talking? This is like midnight now. I'm like, out of what? We, yeah. we haven't we haven't been streaming for over an hour. What the hell? Out, out of what? Out of time? Yeah. Out of body? Much. What the hell? I got nothing. Out of the closet? I don't know. Yeah, well, that, that's what. Yeah, you did try to accuse me of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. Well, good for you. Frolic. <laughs> i'm laying in the daisies <laughs> no but other than that uh my wife is uh just left for a week for a uh, job training well, it's more like it's more like a high level administrator training because she's now the director of engineering for our city so uh she has to have this high level administrative training to be able to handle people and handle the public and you know be able to navigate press because now you know she goes to all of the uh all of the city council meetings and uh a director level stuff has to has to you know interact with the press on some level so you know she has to learn not to put her foot in her mouth and screw the city over and all that stuff because so one one wrong word man one wrong word and then Rule number one, don't listen to that guy. Yeah, yeah. No, you don't want that. No, my all all of my opinions are not for public consumption. That's just let's just say a disclaimer right there. All right. All of all of all of my best moves are ruining people behind the scenes to where no one ever knows what happened. I'm like God. Yes, I said it. You know, if if I do it right, it's like nothing ever happened at all. Just Random stuff happened, and your life is either better or ruined, and you never know why. Once, once I am, you know, exposed to the light, all of my machinations, you know, it's evil, and now everyone knows it's evil, and there's no hiding it. So <laughs> I try to stay away from that. But you're on YouTube all the time, yeah. But no one believes it. No one believes it. So I'm good. Yeah, yeah. She she's gonna be gone all week. But uh, luckily he has school, so I'm not going to, you know, during the day I'll, I'll be able to get stuff done. And uh, I, I haven't even finished my taxes yet. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I went through all of it. And one of the forms, one of the uh, uh, 1099 uh, B or D or one, one, of, the, one of those for, for my investments was mm -hmm. incorrect. And it has me making a lot more money than I did. I'm like, no, I'm not paying that. I'm not paying that taxes. So I had to, I had to uh, wait for an email from, uh, from TD Ameritrade to, to fix it so I can get the real number so I can put that in. TD Ameritrade keeps saying that I have an IRA with them that I closed out back in like 2008. Well, you may have closed it out, but it, they, they may no, still. No, no, I, I, I took all the money out of it and everything. In fact, every time I've called in the past, uh, they're like, yeah, you, your account is 0.00. I said, and is it closed? Yes, it is closed. Well, then we don't know why you keep getting these messages. Well, then just say, hey, if you still have my account, give me my money. See if they can produce money for you. Right. 
<laughs> okay, I'll take it. It was from an old 401k from a company I used to work for. Well, you, you keep saying over and over again, you have my money. Well, then give it to me. So, uh, I'm, I'm entirely certain that the glitch will be fixed very quickly. <laughs> well, no, it's it, the account is 0.00. .00. Oh, okay. I guarantee that it, there's like, yeah, there's no money in this and it's closed. So I'm like, why do I keep getting these messages that I need to uh, look at the account? Why do I get these messages saying that uh, there might be activity in here? So and so forth. So are you uh, a blue check? Yes. You are a dirty blue check. Well, not now it's now it's blue check to for, you know, pay for blue check. So yeah, no, no, there's a reason for the blue check. What's it? What's Number one, it has got us more Twitter followers. Okay. And that's how i do most of the advertising for our stuff other than discord and two it allows me to write the books i like to write i no oh, longer am long stuck for them the, yeah. the long-form treaties in fact let me just show you something because i'm about to bring this up to you in a second here well here i'll just no yeah i'll show it nope i can do it this way window there there you go this is one i'm about to read off to you yep that's long so that's just one twitter twat whatever the hell tweet Okay, so I'm bringing this up to you. I am going to talk about this on the Friday Chill Stream. It'd be one thing. I'm going to have a panel of guests to talk about it. But I think this is one of those things that I want to bring up with Heathen Dog here right now because it actually affects the uh, mostly the videos that, that he's done. There's been a couple that I've done as well that got hit with this. But uh, And this is an over-the-time thing also. This just didn't happen like yesterday or whatever. But it's something that's been bugging me more and more that I've seen it. So I'm just going to read the tweet to Heathen Dog. Okay. Actually, I can put it on the screen for you also, yeah, but, I, but I am good, but I am going to read it. Uh, and like I said, I'm going to talk about this on uh, the Friday Night Chill stream. So there we go. I'll zoom in as much as I can. That's about it. So I'm reading through YouTube comments I've missed, and some of these comments have me thinking that maybe we've had our minds hacked. By the way, I have a copy of this exact thing on our Discord in the uh, reactions forum for you guys to talk about, and some of you have been talking about it. In days of yore, I never cared if the hero of the story was a woman, Holgara, Wilma Deering, Ripley, etc. However, in today's world, the first thing I see is, here we go again, Mary Sue Heroin with the Peter Griffin or Mr. Burns males. In the tabletop space, I have two examples based on YouTube comments. First, example one. While I did consider it a, consider it a bit hippie, I've never considered Shadowrun 1E or 2E to be woke. It's just a different take on how a fictitious world may form after the rise of megacorps, humans physically changing into metahumans, and the crash of global computer systems. It was a simple caricature to give the style to the background of play and not a historical news event. However, reading it with today's worldview, people decry, oh my God, look at this woke trash. Okay, that's number one. I know that's the one you're going to want to jump on, but, st but stand, stand by for a second. I'm standing down, standing down. Okay. Example two. Many post-apocalyptic games used global warming, flooding, etc. as the trope to explain near-world ending setting. While it may be lazy, it's easy to use, right? No one bitched about it. We said, okay, sure, whatever. Now tell me what the world is like in the here and now. Cannibals, Mad Max, zombies, oh my. Yep. If that game were to be published today, many of us would scream, oh my god, look at the woke lies, SJWs have infiltrated our games, fake news. Look. I have no respect for danger here, identity, grievance, victim, culture, troglodytes. But sometimes, just sometimes, I think a few of us may be just as delusional as they are. So my question is, have we had our minds hacked? I honestly, I'll answer that one right away. To some degree, I think so. Are we finding bogeymen where there are none? Again, to some degree, I think so. 
Or is this the secret infiltration of postmodernist Marxism into our gaming culture? And we're just now waking up to it. Heathen dog, I need your answer since you won't be here on the Friday Night Chill stream. Okay. Um, no, leave that back up. Leave oh, okay. Back up. I, a second. Oh, no, great. Now, there it is. Because I'm going to start from the top. Okay. All right. Shadowrun. Okay. Actually, no, no, no. Uh, d d days of York. Days of York. Yes. Okay. Uh, Ripley, Wilma Deering, uh, Polgara, I don't immediately recognize. Uh, it's from uh, the Bulgaria. It's a book series. Okay. I haven't read it. But uh, you also you also missed uh, Sarah Connor. Yep, Sarah Connor. Well, I didn't. Okay. I, I said etc. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, you're fair. That's fair. Now the 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 they're not Mary Sue. The reason being, all of them in the beginning were worthless in a fight. Absolutely worthless. The original Alien movie, Ripley survived more so by luck than anything else. A little clever, but mostly luck. Well, she did take charge. Yeah, yeah, she because she was next in line. She she had yeah. to take charge, Fair. right? And then uh, Ripley, I'm oh, sorry, I said Ripley. Uh, Wil Wil Wilma Deering, she was uh, she was highly trained from the beginning of the of the series. So you know, whatever. And uh, Sarah Connor in the in the original Terminator movie uh, was a damsel in distress. She was in the years between Terminator One and Terminator Two. She trained herself yep. to be a badass. There's no Mary Sue there. She did the work, the yep. blood, sweat, and tears. She did it. Now, the Mary Sue thing, the easiest one, the, the low-hanging fruit is Star Wars, Star Wars Ray. Started off and then was great. No training, no reason, no, no nothing. Just great. Right off the bat. That that doesn't make sense. So nowadays. There, there are, there are Mary Sue's, but back in the day, there was not, there was a reason they were great or there was a reason they became great. Just like a male protagonist. Oh my God. Talk about equality. You, you got to go through the fire to be tempered. Everyone knew it. That's what they did. All right. So we move on to Shadowrun. Here's the thing about Shadowrun. Oh no. The native Americans taking over. That's woke. Not, it's not woke nonsense. Listen. When we landed in the, when, when our ancestors land in this country, now, if, if like, not my ancestors, shut up, dude, then I'm not talking to you. All right. <laughs> when our ancestors land in this country, we saw this land. It's like, oh, this is great land. We want it. Oh, there's people living here. Well, kill them. And we did manifest destiny is a thing for everyone. All people, all cultures, they all did it. How do you think countries even exist now? They were taken from other people consolidated made bigger conquered again reconquered taken back reconquered again that's how it biggest worked. land empire ever is land wise that's russia right the uh, mongols oh the oh mongols. i'm sorry yeah yep. I, I, I thought you meant modern i'm sorry no problem. no problem all right but uh the native americans which i will now refer to as indians suck it uh got the fuzzy end of the lollipop you know why because they didn't have guns they they didn't have they didn't have uh wagons they they didn't have uh you know mobile mobile artillery for the <laughs> most part right they didn't they didn't have the firepower or the know-how to wage war like Europeans did because we've been doing it for a long time they haven't they would have small tribal conflicts but not full-scale wars they couldn't handle it so they lost do I have sympathy for them eh, 10 percent 
I do. You know, their, their, their crap was taken. Did we ask them? Not really. Do we poison them and, and give them diseases and murder them and their children? Yeah. Wait, 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 who's the we? Sure. Who's the we in this? <laughs> My family's German, not British. We weren't what? here. I, you know what? <laughs> I told you. Shut up. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> All right. So they got beef. We we pushed them into lands that sucked, and then when technology progressed and we figured out, oh crap, there's uranium or gold or whatever in that land, we took it from them again. They got beef. And then when magic came back, they made sure in the game, FASA made sure that it was attached to old ways. Now in America, all of our old superstition stuff were mainly pushed by the wayside and no one knew them. But in, in many uh, Native American Indian, uh, you know, reservations and groups and stuff like that, they, they kept their old ways, their old traditions, their old rituals, stuff like that. And now it had power. So it makes sense that they would get power first. And it also makes sense that they would fight back against the hundreds of years of bullshit we've heaped upon them. I, I just consider it, it's not woke, it's vengeance. And I get it. They got beef. And didn't the earth explode to help them out? <laughs> yeah, and they, they, they caused like four or five volcanoes to go off, killing thousands, if not tens of thousands of people just to make a point. Do I blame them for that? No, nah, not really. Just, just, just like I don't blame the settlers for, for killing people that were weaker to get all this land that, that we now enjoy, and we are now the most prosperous country in the world. Well, guess what? There's a new resource and they got it and they used it and they won. It's again, manifest destiny again, only the other side. So now the Indians are the bad guys. They're the villains. I mean, it's a, it's a freaking bond level villain that causes multiple volcanoes to erupt. I mean, it's, it's worse than a laser on the moon. Come on. They're the bad guys. So I don't know what the, where the hell you're coming from on that one. Okay, let's go to number two. Uh, Post-apocalyptic games used global warming, uh, flooding, etc., as a trope to explain the near world ending. Okay. You know why? Because it's easy. He said it right there. It's easy. There is there, there are two ways this world dies. Only two. There's many more. No, there's not. There's only two. Blind chance from screwed by the universe, or we did it AKA to ourselves. the asteroid. Yeah, or we did it to ourselves. Guess which pool has a bigger number of things that could happen? The we did it to ourselves. Not only is it more likely, it's actually infinitely more probable than the asteroid impact. Nuclear war is more probable than 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 you know pretty much anything else the universe can throw at us the odds are much better that we're going to kill ourselves so guess what they went with most probable cause and that's we we screwed ourselves over is that woke no it's the most probable cause of a of a post-apocalyptic world we caused the apocalypse that's i mean there it. are dumb versions of that after the bomb yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you know, in, in, in the whole riffs palladium thing where after the bomb thing happened, uh, we did it to ourselves in after the bomb, but in riffs, 
the the world screwed us after we did it to ourselves. So it's kind of a kind of a <laughs> double whammy thing, kind of like a handshake. Like like we we all agreed to screw the planet. The planet agreed too. <laughs> all right, so that's actually novel. <laughs> that's nice. Like we did it together. Kumbaya, world, screw us all over. Okay. <laughs> okay. So have our minds been hacked? Hacked? No, but. Just like any any other adversity, after it hits you more than once, two, three, four, five times, you become sensitive to it. That's that's animal nature, human nature, animal nature. We we are more uh, perceptive of threats than anything else. Threats physically and threats mentally. So we're more hyper vigilant now. That's why it seems like the stuff in the past was trying to screw was 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 trying to socialist nonsense us. Because now we're hyper vigilant to it, so it just seems that way. And uh, are we finding boogeymen where there are none? That's the problem with with that whole statement or question is that uh, it's up to the individual person. You know, everyone everyone has their own threshold for what they consider uh, good, good and bad. Generally, it's usually around the same range, but every person has their own threshold. So that's something you have to answer for yourself. The last one, or is it the secret infiltration of postmodernist Marx and blah, 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 blah. Oh God. Uh, I got to say kind of mostly not, but kind of because so many game companies have come out and said that they are pushing a leftist agenda that you have to take their word. But that's to. modern. That's not back when Shadowrun was done. No, 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 no. That's modern. But back in the day, is it possible they were doing it secretly? Yeah, but there's a difference between probable and possible. Is not probable. Is it possible? Yes. Probable? No. Now? Well, it's probable for all game companies and definite for all of the ones that said we do this now. So yeah, it's gotten worse because even if everyone did it back then, they're so egregious with it now that they will that they will spout it to the rooftops and say, "Yes, we are trying to change people's minds to think like we think without regard if we're right or wrong, but we believe it's true." They're saying it now. Did they do it back then? I don't know. Are they doing it now? Definitely. So uh, again, it's, you know, people in secret, people working machinations behind the scenes. It's hard to prove. There's, you know, very little evidence, if any, but uh, now you don't even need evidence because the, the creators and the, and the CEOs and CEOs and CFOs and, and directors and managers, they're all saying it. Yes, we do that. So now definitely. Yes. Back then. I don't know. I don't think so, but I have no proof either way. Even if it was, so my, my take on that, the last comment, I'm, let me, I'm going to keep going from the comment that you're saying there is we, we laughed at the stuff. Like, like I said in here, yeah, I considered the Shadowrun thing to be a bit hippie. That was yeah. my, you know, the term that you said, whatever, dude, but it didn't matter. I didn't care. It was just a backdrop to a dumb game. Yeah. And we played the game and that was just the world that it was on. I didn't see it as a message like, oh, my God, we were so bad to the Native Americans that all of a sudden that uh, the world's going to explode. And if we and if I and if I don't push that forward in my game, then I'm a bad person. It might actually explode. No, it was just a dumb game. So it didn't I didn't care 
I, that's why I put it in here. Just turned it into the whole thing. Like, uh, there's a, okay, sure. Whatever. Now tell me what the world is like in the here and now. Do we have cannibals? Are we playing a Mad Max world? Do we have a zombie. What, what's going on? Yeah, great. I'm glad that's how we got here. I'll role play my character in terms of that, but had no, no bearing. And this is why I, I do go with the, have our minds been hacked? I think they have to some degree, just some degree. Because I can talk to a bunch of people who would say the same thing. Back in the day, we did not care in any way, shape, or form about a female protagonist or a black protagonist or what the sexuality of somebody happened to be or whatever. We didn't care. Now, the second that it's out there, ah, look, they got black elves in, in Amazon or, or uh, what's that, that Lord of the Rings thing. <laughs> That's, that is so funny. That is so funny be, because I, I, asked, I asked the question to people and they can't answer me uh that's supposed to be a prequel right yeah there's all kinds of black elves and black dwarves right yeah where they'll go where'd they go <laughs> where where they go for like the rest of time in that in that world what was there a genocide <laughs> i'm gonna have to say yeah that's not only probable it's likely so yeah thanks a lot amazon you just you just you just proved a genocide. Good job. For, for the next one here, finding bogeymen where there are none. You know, I believe in the all, always vigilant thing. I really do. But I sometimes think we're a little overly vigilant and we're fi finding stuff uh, where it doesn't exist. One of the best examples we've got is I remember before I saw the movie, the Solo movie. Oh, Solo, it's so woke. Solo, oh, don't go see it. It's just woke nonsense. I watched it. And it was just a boring movie. Yeah, I, I, I thought Glover didn't work out as a as a young lando it didn't work out uh the, that other guy i forget his name who who did the young solo i just eh, he was meh uh, yeah, yeah i mean the movie was meh yeah it was just meh i mean again you can find you can find problems <laughs> all the all the black elves and and all the black dwarves went to wakanda all right fair enough <laughs> uh so a, a couple of things that i jotted down here because i i looked at uh some other We'll say venues out there. Uh, I'm going to start with kind of the most ridiculous one first. Uh, well, ultimately, I found this stuff to be comical. And what I mean by that is, okay, Native Americans taken over the earth or uh, high school kids wrote a virus that destroyed the planet that caused countries to go to war and destroyed the planet. And now humans can't procreate. Okay, that's just comical. Okay, it's a caricature. It's nothing more than a caricature. Just whatever. Who cares? I, I at least say that the that the, the global warming flooding thing is possible. I'm, it's yeah. not possible for some kids to write a retrovirus that, <laughs> that you know, screws over all of humanity. No, I don't buy it. Yeah. I, I don't I don't buy it as possible, but it's a game. Right. And there, there you, in, in every single role playing game, there is one impossible, at least one impossible thing that the game posits as happening. And if you take that impossible thing and make it possible it makes all it makes many other impossible things possible as well or at least pro or yeah possible you're right, right at least possible as well yeah. yes sometimes probable mm -hmm. so so i started looking i said well guess we got to stop playing dungeons and dragons because that's pretty woke yeah i'm not i'm not even talking about modern i'm talking osr dungeons and dragons i'm talking red shirt dungeons and Dragons. okay this is snarf quest but still uh you know red, red shirt dungeons and dragons because um it promoted polytheism well what does that matter well isn't it the marxist agenda to destroy religion 
And how do you do that? You corrupt people into thinking polytheism, then you corrupt people into thinking it's not real, and then you have no religion anymore. So unless you're going to play on a, on, a, on a Knights Templar monotheistic world, you best stop playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, better stop playing GURPS. GURPS, GURPS, that's a, just a general... Steve Jackson himself, we've done videos on it. Well, on Friday Night Chill Stream has come out. He is absolutely about as woke and progressive as you can get. His website, his company website. I feel so terrible and I'm scared for the people who can't get abortions now. So, uh, and then, uh, oh, got to stop playing Battletech. Because there's space communism and space Bushido in there, it might turn you into Emperor Banzai. Banzai. I mean, the 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 house that I fight for, the one that my Max Liao name comes from, comes from Sino Soviet. Comes from the Sino Soviet house. It is China Russia, or well, China Soviet. Does that make so, me a, a? I'm a commie now. Yeah, you're you're not just a commie. You're a commie squared. Akami squared, right? <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, and oh, can't play 40k either because that's got emperor worship. Can't play any games anymore. Can it turn me into space Buckaroo Banzai? Ooh, that's a good one. Maybe. Hey, Buckaroo Banzai was a fun movie. But let's see, okay, I, I've got a couple things started, but I'm gonna put this up now. Um, sometimes they w want to destroy it, but like other things, this only applies when they cannot control it. They infiltrate and take it over first. Sure. A absolutely. That's why you look at it and just say it's, it's comical. When they come out and say, no, this is our agenda, then re-against it. When they come out and say, no, we don't want white people playing our game. If you're a Nazi and voted for a, a way we don't agree with, we don't want you playing our game. Well, then, then call it out. But if it's just got some dumb premise to the game, cares who cares you don't like magic and cyberpunk then play cyberpunk and not shadowrun but shadowrun in and of itself with megacorps and so forth cyberpunk has megacorps there's no way the japanese would have ever taken over america who fuck cares yeah did again, you watch any an movie in the 80s thing, an, an impossible thing made happen to set the stage for the game that's what happened. Yes, ja yes, Japan could never, you know, properly invade the United States. The logistically, it's it's all but impossible just to even get here in numbers and and create a uh, a supply chain. That's true, but it's a game. What if? What yeah. if, man? What if? And then you move forward from there. That's your. That's the story of your game. That's fine. So I have a follow-up to this, but I'll cover that more on Friday. I, I wanted to put this out here. I have three chat stars that I, that I want to put in here. So first, uh, Skullman, good to see you. Says, I think having a female protagonist and having it not be woke is all in the presentation. I agree with that. The major from the original Ghost in the Shell, you'll know more about that than I do, is badass and nobody complains since it was presented well. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. I, and I agree. That's a, yeah. I think it is that presentation. You know, if, if, you, if you give a reason, a legitimate reason why she's badass, just like every male protagonist has had to have a legitimate reason why they become or were badass, then all's fair. No problem. Um. All right, Kevin. See, modern firepower. This is for you. Even though, because okay. again, you, you know more about the history than I do. This is for Shadowrun. Modern firepower at the time would have been easily wiped out. Uh, would have easily wiped out the few thousand medicine men. 
That is true. But in, in the background, number one, they couldn't find them because they had precognitive magic. They, they knew where they were. They, they knew where the U S was going to strike before, before they did. And they moved. It was, it was whack-a-mole that you could never whack. And number two, this magic thing was brand new. It scared the crap out of them, especially after those four or five volcanoes went off. That's, that scared the bejesus out of them. And I don't blame them. They caved because of fear, fear of the unknown. At that time, magic was completely unknown to the general populace and to the government. So I, it is a possible scenario because of the human nature of fearing the unknown. And nukes can't find anyone because if that was the case, we'd have a lot more accurate drone strikes. That, that is true. <laughs> and of course, you know, uh, the U.S. didn't want to start nuking its own country because, you know, all you got to do is, is have a radioactive cloud go over the, the uh, grain belt and then we're all dead. And it might actually, you know, gain some sympathy for the people who at this point are the bad guys. Yeah. Keep them <laughs> bad guys. Don't nuke your own people. Um, this one. Uh, they fired Pardo and kept the tank that threatened him and censored the Rommel. Now, here's the question I've got. Somebody posted recently on our topic on this one said it was fake news because apparently the Rommel has been published multiple times since that weirdo said that thing out there uh, and had transgender in the HBS game. Well, okay, again, there are transgender people in the real world. Whatever yeah. you think about it conceptually, like I don't use preferred pronouns. You don't, you don't get to dictate to me how I, you're he or she. And I'm going to call you the pronoun that you present. present. Um, so by, by sight. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, transgender people exist. Who's to sure. say that there wouldn't be one in the game? Now, if half of the people are LGBTQIA, which doesn't meet any of the percentages ever done in any poll ever, then I have a problem. But just having a transgender in there, whatever, move on. I mean, there's a, I remember Bioware, the first uh, Dragon Age, people complained because uh, one, one of the characters was gay. You could actually make that character not gay if you followed just a different story path. But people freaked out over it. I was like, whatever, I don't, just not well, going to let them hit on me. You know? well, in, in the history of the human race, between 3 and 7%, plus or minus 2% of, of the populace has been gay. It's been around forever literally forever so if if between three and seven percent of of representation in games and books and tv shows okay but I mean, it needs just, to stay at that percentage it can't be 50 yeah, percent yeah. you, know? you, you there, there's people like oh no it's 20 it's 40 it's even there is even some idiots saying 50 percent of of the human population is secretly gay I'm like dude stop it just stop stop it you're just and dumb the last one I'll put up is from Kevin again. Uh, the world of Shadowrun is dumb and the mechanics are mediocre. That's why I don't run or play Shadowrun. That is a that perfectly... Is fair. Yes. That's fair. That's, that is fair. Okay. Cool. But I can tell you that that's not what, well, you or other people posted <laughs> quite a few times yeah. on the various Shadowrun videos that uh, that Heathen Dog has done. Uh, and and that's, why, that's why I wanted to bring this up. Because I, I'm going to go back to the tweet here. And I mean this. I feel that my mind has been partially hacked because things that I didn't care about 15 years ago, I see now and I'm just like, nope, I'm out. I'm noping out of this thing. Not going to have anything to do with it because it's just another one of the modern agenda bullshit that's going on. And I don't want anything to do with that. Even though 15, 20 years ago, I'd have watched it and been like, that was pretty cool. Yeah. 
So maybe I'm the only one. No, no. Uh, like I said, uh, we we've been we've we've become hyper vigilant from constant exposure. Constant unrealistic exposure. And see, I, I'm not a huge fan of the the background of Shadowrun. I just look at it as it makes sense for the world, but I do like the mechanics. I, I I'm one of the people. But see, I like dice pools, but that's a whole different. <laughs> yeah, I, I like dice pools too. And you know, for, first and second edition, if you if you take second edition mechanics, but but keep the first edition staging, that's perfect. That that's that's perfect Shadowrun right there. See, I, I like the second. I like the ease of the second edition staging. See, I, I love the I, idea of staging. I'm not going to get into it, but I, oh. I I just I just love the 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 idea of staging. The the, it, the mechanic fits the the effect. I really yeah. like it. No, and and I I can't fault you on that. I just say I like the ease. I I one of the few times when you kind of quote unquote dumb down the game that I was for it. But but I get it. I absolutely get. it. I can play first or second edition and be happy. So with that. That was way long for an introduction here. And guess what? You guys as members are the only one. Well, later on for members, you guys who watch the live stream live or who are members are the only ones who get to see that. But we're going to have this discussion again on Friday with the panelists and we'll see what our panelists say and what you're welcome to come back. You're welcome to think of new arguments to put in the chat at that point. And yep. maybe we'll we'll bring those up. But uh, I wanted Heathen Dog to have a chance because because Shadowrun was the big one. Uh, D Genesis got hit also. Yeah, and yeah, wait, did, but the thing is about Shadowrun, I breezed over the background and I I went fully on mechanics for most of it. So what the hell were they coming from? I don't I don't know why they were going there. It was in your it was in their heads, I guess. I was I was dealing with mechanics on those videos. But but Walter, uh, that's exactly the thing. Is I'm reacting to something I never would have reacted to. There's got to be a reason for that. Whether I'm just using the term hacked, you know, you can call it whatever you want. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm reacting to something I didn't react to. Yeah. All right. So, but no, th thanks for the comments in there. And, and we'll definitely approach this on Friday, but we've got to get into We're We're running. Don't worry. This shouldn't be a crazy long episode. So let's well, get. I'm, I'm going to have to leave, you know, a hard time because there's no one here to make dinner for my son. Besides me. Tell him, give him a spear and tell him to go kill something. There's nothing around here to kill except dogs, and he'll get in trouble for that. Why? Well, he identifies as Korean. He identifies as Korean. <laughs> I'll get in trouble with the cops and the Koreans. Damn it! Wait, are they didn't are they not agreeing to his identity? Just saying. Stop it. <laughs> Thank you to all of you wonderful people who support us monetarily. Your gracious donations help us provide giveaways, produce more content, and generally give back to the Legion Myth community. We have over 4,100 YouTube subscribers. We're creeping up on 4,200, and we are thankful for each and every one of you. Check out the description below for links to various Legion Myth sites, social media, Discord, merch, etc. And please, please, please share. Share these videos with folks that you think like, well, Hyperborea or like palladium because those are the two things we're talking about today specifically phase world that sharing because of how youtube works is is as good as you can get like there's just nothing else is, is as good although some comments help as well slide that okay i'm gonna slide stuff around here uh do you want to tap dance for about 10 seconds here while i get set up all right cool uh so hyperbore we, we've done hyperbore before the last version we've we've done it and we liked it this is the newest version of Hyperboreas, and I have not read it at all. I have no idea what changes were made. I have no idea if the system is different, if the if if they changed the background. If they did after the bomb shenanigans with this, I'm going to be pissed off. I'm going to be super pissed off. 
because I don't know I, if, if you don't know uh, when, when Palladium came out with their from uh, mutants in orbit to after the bomb, which is the, the newer version uh, they, they made, they changed the, the background and backstory to something so ridiculous as, as to be comical and stupid, well, really they, embellished if, if, comical and stupid. <laughs> yeah. if, if they did it here, then I'm going to be pissed off. I'm going to be super pissed off and you're all going to know it. So hopefully that didn't happen. All right. For segment one today, we are going to introduce you to Hyperborea. This is a game that Heathen Dog and I covered second edition of as the first game that we talked about when we started up RPG Digest. And now finally, 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 we're getting to the third edition of the game. Now, I'm going to tell you a couple of things about this. We are not going to compare this to second edition. Why? Because while I have run a couple of one-shots of second edition, I didn't dive into second edition to the point where I'm going to be able to spot every change. So we're just going to take this game on its own and see what kind of OSR, Dungeons & Dragons type of game, this is. And uh, scroll down. There we go. I had to find that. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. The focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. And I'm not even going to read this off because this week, this is the normal schedule, but this week it's all FUBAR because of people and Easter and whatever else. So that's the normal stream schedule. We're just going to leave it at that unless you want to interject something. No, it's fine. Okay. And of course... Hey, we're a live stream podcast discussion, not a concise step-by-step -step tutorial. We may deviate off topic, go on tangents, and talk to our live stream viewers. So enjoy anyway. There we go. And subscribe. Share. Share, 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 share. All right, so a couple things that I want to get out of the way first. Let me present this. I'm going to do it by screen because I've got a few things to present. We are going to talk in this introduction today. We are going to go through just the quick introduction of what uh, what is shown here in the Hyperborea book. But I also want to point out real quickly that there is a second book, a completely other book. A lot of games don't do this anymore for just the referee. And that's right. The, the game master, dungeon master, whatever for Hyperborea is called the referee. This book is awesome. Okay. It's got beast here. It's also a, a monster manual. It's got beasts in it. It's got suggestions on how to do things. It talks about the world. And it's got a bunch of appendices on how to deal with the setting as a whole. Now, cool. and for full disclosure, I love the system. I'm not a fan of the setting. That doesn't mean it's a bad game. That doesn't mean you should go look elsewhere. This, if you know old school Dungeons and Dragons, you know how to treat this game. You know what to do with the setting. I'm just not a fan of, uh, you know, part of Earth floating around Saturn. <laughs> okay, because that's what it is. If that doesn't bother you, you're already ready to go. It's definitely a sword and sorcery type game. One other thing that, there you go. There is the Atlas. Here, I'll show you. Uh, there it is, floating around Saturn. <laughs> Yay. Uh, How did that happen? I don't know. Well, the, the world blew up. Well, the sun's a red giant at this point. This is billions of years in the future. Their sun's a red giant, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, anyway, this atlas, it tells you the different uh, landscapes, we'll say, because in here it'll describe them. 
And here you're going to actually know where they're located on the map. If you want to say, you know what? I love the rules. I love the character classes because that's one of the things I really do love about the game of character classes. And we'll get to that next week. But I want to do Dungeons Dragons. I want Dwarves and Elves. Well, if you have any experience whatsoever with old school D&D, you know how to do that already. What are the bonuses for an elf uh, heathen dog? If um, you remember. Plus one dex, minus one con. There you go. Guess what you can do to this game? You give humans plus one dex, minus one con, call them <laughs> elves, and call it a day. There you go. <laughs> exactly. So, But what we're going to be talking about is the main book. We're not going to be going through the referee's guide. Our, our goal, as always, is to talk about the game, what you can see in the game, a first look at the game, and hopefully entice you to like it or, or hate it, depending on how we cover it, I suppose. So let's uh, F11 that thing, make it just a touch bigger. So there we go. New art. I do like the fact that uh, the game ripped off its long title. It used to be Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerers of Hyperborea. And because, I'm guessing he did this because he owns a trademark. But if you look at the back title, there it is. <laughs> or the back cover, sorry. Uh, he's got the title there. But, uh, well, I'm, oh, people are going to argue. Heathen Dog. Hmm. I, I'm wondering if you're going to argue about this. Okay. A book that does sure. character creation before world building. Good or bad? Or do you not bad. care? Okay. See, I, I don't care. I know. But I, I, I always find for the player, it's best to understand the world first. So you can understand how to make a, a, a viable character that fits in the setting. Charlotte Williams, yes. The, there's land management, there's, na there's naval combat, there's siege warfare. It's all in the referee's guide, yes. So, so let us dis uh, discuss what Hyperborea is. Sword and sorcery and weird science fantasy. You do guys do remember that in old, old, old D&D probably before second edition, because I know most second edition people didn't like it. There were ray guns in Dungeons and Dragons. It was very Thundar. Yeah, I think that's a good. Well, not good. very Thundar, kind of Thundar. I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Table of contents, man. Right, introduction, character generation, statistics, classes, background. We're going to in the introduction, we're actually going to cover both of these because they're both really short, as you can tell. Uh, statistics. Well, maybe maybe we'll do these together. I don't care. Uh, class is going to be a long one. As you can see, it's a lot of pages. Then we'll hit background equipment. We're just going to follow this right in order. Combat is last. Now, for people like Heathen Dog who want the background, I guess you'd call it the combat rules first, I get it. I honestly, I get it. You know, know, know the rules so I know how to make a character. The way I see this book, though, is just, it flows. You, you can almost do it page by page in order. All right, I'm opening up the book. Okay, let me make a character. Let me get the statistics for the character. Okay, let me pick my class. Let's look at the background. Let's grab some equipment. Am I a sorcerer? Uh, how do I handle adventure? These are rules. How do I handle adventure and equi uh, equipment's up there? And then finally, how do I handle combat? Boom, I'm ready to play. My character's done and I'm ready to play. So, mm. you know, six of one, half a dozen the other for me. Like I said, I don't care what order's in as long as it's together. And let's look at some of the art. That's just the cover art again. Okay, so talks about Hyperborea. I'm not going to read what a role-playing game is, but we are going to say, hey, well, let's, let's set the tone here for what Hyperborea is. I'll zoom in on that because I don't know how well people on smaller monitors can see it. So Hyperborea is a role-playing game of swords, sorcery, and weird science fantasy. It is played with paper, pencil, dice, and imagination. Notice none of that said with laptops and VTTs. 
Participants include a referee and one or more players. The referee prepares and presents the adventure material, circumstances, challenges, quests, mysteries, etc. And the players create player characters, including fighters, magicians, clerics, and thieves. And of course, under those are the four core classes. Under those, there, I think, was it eight to ten other subclasses? Twenty, I think. Twenty oh. each? No, I thought it was oh, like eight no, to no, ten. No, 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 no. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, between four and six of all of, of the four main classes, there are four and six subclasses each. Okay. Is that what it is? Sorry. Yeah. The heroes of a Hyperborea game delve dungeons filled with horrifying monsters, lethal traps, and bewildering puzzles. Nobody likes puzzles. Nope. <laughs> they explore savage wilderness frontiers and dangerous borderlands. They probe ancient ruins and investigate cursed tombs. They match steel against sorcery and sorcery against steel. You could also do for the pedantic out there, steel against steel and sorcery against sorcery. Just, just, just to be clear. And they plunder for gold, gems, and magical treasure. Sure. Got to get paid. Yeah. Hyperborea is a flat earth realm hemmed by the mystical Boreas, northern wind, by the way, or north wind, sorry. That is the name of the company that Jeffrey Tulanian, I'm sure he owns it. I should probably not say things that I don't know, but Northwind Adventures is the name of the company that makes this. And I'm sure he owns it. And under the scarlet light of a bloated, dying sun, its rolling seas spill eternal over the world's rim. So when I showed you that hex map, yeah, the sea just goes off into space. How is it replenished? I don't know. It's magic. Yeah, who cares? Right? How is their atmosphere? Also magic. Again, how could the world explode? Dude, it doesn't matter. It did. That is the background. Yes, that's the impossible thing made possible for the background of this story. You got you to gotta let it go. It's just not realistic. You're right. And this is why it's a game and not real. Okay, move on. This world is in a perpetual state of decay and is populated by disharmonious men and women, hostile monsters, and weird alien beings. I'd be pissed too. Okay. <laughs> the setting is adaptable and can be used independently or in conjunction with other milieu, i.e. D&D, published or homebrewed. Indeed, Hyperborea might be just beyond the north wind of any campaign setting. Hell, this could be Ravenloft. Yep. I walk and you know what? Uh, you, you make it, it's pretty dark. Make it a little bit darker? Eh, it's easy, Ravenloft. Easy. <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, hopefully you know what a role-playing game is. The referee is the game master. Sure. All right? So what is the role of the referee? The referee presents the adventure scenario, including any pertinent background information, intelligence, and rumors that may be learnt. I love that. Learnt. By the player characters. The game progresses as a sort of dialogue betwixt the referee and the players. You know what? I was kind of concerned that with this new uh, edition, he was going to get rid of words like betwixt, vexed, and treble. It's good to see he hasn't done that. Because uh, to be fair, whether you like it or not, it does add a sense of flavor to the setting. The referee describes the places explored. An ancient tower, a ruined city, a dungeon complex, or perhaps a hoary wilderness. Also encountered are humans, humanoids, and monsters. Friendly and hostile alike. I don't think they're monsters if they're friendly. I might be wrong. That's fair. So, what is the role of the players? The players react to the referee's descriptions by explaining how their characters, individually or as a team, respond to each development. Character reactions may involve combat, ability use, diplomacy, and problem-solving trickery and or evasion. The referee judges the result of all such activities by using a combination of the rules and no small amount of logic, reason, and fairness. 
Collaboration and creativity in the face of adversity are hallmarks of an enjoyable role-playing game experience. Notice it never once said, telling a story. Playing a game, folks. Okay, so what is, what, what is Sword and Sorcery and Weird Science? Although its name was not coined until 1961 by Fritz Leiber, Sword and Sorcery is a type of fantasy that, as many would agree, was created by Robert E. Howard when he wrote The Shadow Kingdom. So, interesting, Robert E. Howard. What game did we just cover up until last week? Conan 2D20. So we're going from one Robert E. Howard-inspired game to another Robert E. Howard-inspired game. So published by... I don't care who's published by. Cull, with a single mighty leap, hurled himself into the room. What's a two-spun? I don't know what that is. Is that a word? I suppose. Okay. Two-spun. But the blinding trigger speed of the attack gave him no chance for defense or counterattack. Sword steel flashed. Scrolling. In the dim light and grated on bone as two top... Oh, two is the name. <laughs> as two toppled backward, Cull's sword standing out between his shoulders. I'm not going to read the whole thing. You get the idea. It's action-oriented. And I'm not going to read the rest of that. Uh, there is a part in here I want to say. So what exactly is sword and sorcery fiction? And what makes it different from epic or high fantasy? Now, I tend to be on the epic or high fantasy side. I like low magic, high fantasy, if that makes sense. That's, that's just my normal way of liking things. So what makes this different from that? In epic fantasy, the protagonists are typically humans and demi-humans, dwarves, hobbits, elves, etc., who struggle against some dire threat and seek to rid the world of great evil. Yep, that's generally how I like to run my games. This style of storytelling is epitomized by the fantastic works of J.R.R. Tolkien. Epic fantasies like Tolkien's Lord of the Rings often span multiple novels with plenty of character building, subplots, and side adventures. That is my perfect game. Absolutely. 100%. That is my perfect game. In contrast, most sword and sorcery stories are shorter and more personal, featuring a single protagonist who may be of dubious character. The objectives of a sword and sorcery protagonist are often materialistic or individually motivated. I actually don't have a problem with that. Because I'll let the world just go on around them. You don't want to stop the, ev the evil that's taken over. Okay, that's cool. It's still gonna, it's gonna happen. For example, one might seek a valuable relic from ancient catacombs, take vengeance on a blood feud enemy of old, or perhaps fall into misadventure on account of drunkenness or being in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's why I love Forbidden Land so much. It's got the same feel. Many sword and sorcery tales are self-contained one-shots, whilst others are episodic, loosely strung together, and not necessarily in chronological order. However, longer-form sword and sorcery tales do exist. Hello. Aren't you cute? Look at that. That's, that's something. <laughs> so, Howard's Hour of the Dragon was serialized was a serialized conan novel and frank frazetta's death dealer series written by james silky i hope that's how i pronounce it spanned four novels epic fantasy worlds tend to be more magical with schools of wizardry magic magical societies and renowned practitioners of magic are both feared and admired in many instances magic and nature are interwoven part of the same fabric if you would and this is kind of the part where high fantasy does lose me a little bit i like magic to be more, more uh, causal. Like you do something, it's got co or consequential. It has. There's a consequence to it. I don't oh, like. Oh, then you, uh, you, you'll like. Damn it! I, I can't remember the name of the of the series. 
it's it's a it's a three book series. But the way they did magic was there was a wizard, and he learned all of the of the spells, incantations, rituals, all stuff. But to access magic, you have to uh, you have to have someone bonded to you, and oh. you are taking their life force every time you use magic. Okay, that might be a little excessive, but I like it. Well, no, 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 no. It, 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 they they get it back. I mean. You know, it's 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 kind of like a, a meter that goes down. You go down all the way, that person dies. But if you don't kill them, they'll they'll recover over time. But it, it stops you from using magic willy nilly, and there is a genuine consequence using magic. Because if you kill them, you can only the wizard can only bond to one other person in their entire life. If that person dies, you're not a wizard anymore. You have all the knowledge, but you can't you you, you couldn't even light a candle. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have to think about that. It's definitely interesting. And I mean that not in the Minnesota way. I mean, in, in, in real, that, that is an interesting concept. Um, that might be a bit, uh, a bit dark even for me, but uh, where are we? In contrast, the magic of sword and sorcery tales is typically dangerous and or forbidden. And it is often harnessed by madmen. So, so how do, what would you call somebody like me who likes high fantasy tropes, but likes low fantasy settings. Is there a term for that? Certainly Howard's Conan faced several unhinged sorcerers, but the concept of sorcery causing physical and mental corruption to its practitioners is not universally true. Carl Edward Wagner's Kane, Michael Moorcock's Elric, oh yeah, and Fritz Leiber's Grey Mouser are all practitioners of sorcery, and they are neither disfigured nor driven to insanity from it. I don't know. I think Elric might be close. <laughs> Two, Jack Vance's Vac, Vac Jance, that's his name now, presents several sorcerers in the dying earth and their varying temperaments and predilections. And in Clark Ashton Smith's Hyperborea Tales, Ibon, although a sorcerer of ill repute, is measured and astute. So, that's the idea behind so far, unless they're going to get, I wanted to hear more about the science fantasy part, epic fantasy, Lovecraft, a weird, it's not, it's not a recognized genre or subgenre of fiction. Okay. Uh, one more popular component of certain sorcery is the word, here we go. This is what I want to see. Among the more popular components of sword and sorcery fiction is the weird. Howard incorporated it into his works, adds Dis Liber. Strange, eldritch gods, and deific otherworldly beings whose objectives are irrespective of mankind's position in the world. Oh, okay, so Palladium. Oh, and, and Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. The, those gods don't care about you. They got their own thing going. You're just in the way, or you are uh, just uh, not even seen. Yeah. Magic. Uh, where am I? Many books and treatises have been written on the origins of the weird tale, and although we can trace its roots to authors such as Algernon Blackwood, Lord Dunsany, uh, there we go, Arthur Mackin, and Edgar Allan Poe, most would agree that it was H.P. Lovecraft who crystallized its most mind-numbing form, cosmic horror. Mm. This subgenre of horror fiction is known for its doctrine of futility in which mankind is not only fundamentally insignificant, but powerless to change anything about the crushing horrors of the illimitable universe. This outlook is exemplified in the opening paragraph of The Call of Cthulhu. And if Heathen Dog ever runs that game or covers that game, he can read it there. See, I'm going to skip it. You don't even get to read it here. Man, you're mean. <laughs> I know. 
So, all right, let's, uh, I think that's it. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it for uh, that part. So, how to use this book, obviously. It's going to tell us what it's about. Chapter 1, Introduction. We already talked about that. Character generation is very quick. Statistics we'll talk about in the second video. Then we have classes. The backgrounds, which is your character's race, physique, alignment. Basically all the other stuff for the character, right? Then we'll have equipment. And then sorcery. Oh, yeah. Uh, adventuring party is discussed in this chapter. You can learn about hirelings and henchmen, because obviously this is an old school type game. Hirelings and henchmen are going to be important. Now, that's another thing I like about epic fantasy over sword and sorcery fantasy, is I don't like dealing with henchmen and hirelings. I know that's anathema to a lot of uh, uh, grognards, but I just, I don't. I want the player characters to handle most of it, and henchmen and hirelings are more like, hey, take this crap back to town so I don't have to sell it type stuff. What are your, what are your thoughts on henchmen and hirelings? Well, I... If, if you're going into a dungeon and you know it's a big dungeon or you suspect it's a big dungeon, you get henchmen and hirelings to camp out in front of the entrance. Number one, to make sure no one's coming in behind you. And number two, that you have a place to fall back to that not only you have backup, but you have provisions and healing and all that stuff. I like the idea of that. And of course, if you're going a long overland travel, you need henchmen and hirelings to take your stuff because, you know, sure. But you they're doing, but they're doing there. stuff that's just it's not yes. really talked about much. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's behind the scenes stuff, but henchmen and hirelings are important for that. The behind the scenes stuff. Now, if if you if you have your henchmen and hirelings go, you know, frontline fighting, unless they're actual warriors that you paid, then people are the people who survive are going to tell tales of you being a dick, and no one's going to take your hire again. So yeah, there's that. Yeah, I, I just don't even like to think about it because players always find a way of rationalizing behavior and so forth. So I'm like, no, the 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 story, uh, you know, the adventure is about what you guys do. If you want to have a henchman or hireling to hold torches, extra ammo, something like that, I have no problem with it. Like you said, outside, guard the horses so the DM isn't a dick and take away all the I, I I get all of that. But the action adventure type stuff, that's up to you. Uh, but, you know, different strokes, different folks, right? Chapter 9 is combat, and that's going to be the last chapter that we cover. That'll be the last week of April. And the appendix. Now, dice. We should know what the dice are. This little picture of them right there. Does that have, uh, it says a 4, where's it? No 6. Yep, no 6 added die. No. 8, 4, 8, 10, 12, 12 20. 20. Yep, no 6. So all the weird ones, except for, you know, the, the D6. They use the standard dice. It's basically, again, this is a and a d clone. So, uh, and a D6 is available. There you go. Range of one to two, roll a d6 on a one to three. This is just telling for people who are new to the game. Sometimes we, you know, we don't need all of this. Yeah, you do. You might know how to do it, but somebody new to the game doesn't. Yeah. And one of the things that you should do if you're a good book, and this book is fantastic for it, is encourage a new player to, uh, to play the game. Make the rules simple to understand, not confusing. And... You go in with that 80% solution, you'll make a couple of mistakes, you'll fix them later. All good. Uh, all right, character generation. Now, why am I talking about character generation in the introduction? Because this is just an overview. The next one where we get into stati statistics, then we'll spend more time on it. So, Hyperborea Primer. What do you need to know to play Hyperborea? Well, let's find out. Regardless of your character's class, race, alignment, religion, and secondary skills, there are several facets of life that are generally known to most characters of Hyperborea. As proved, no, it says proved, not evidence, not guessed, proved. By science and sorcery, Hyperborea is a flat, hexagonal-shaped world. 
The sun is a red giant that skirts along the horizon, never rising to a zenith. I mean, if it's as big as it is going to be, it doesn't matter how high it rises, you're never going to see the bottom of it. Mm. I mean, uh, you look up at the size of a red giant. Uh, two ellipsoid moons revolve around Hyperborea, one large, the other small. Saturn is immense in the sky, is off visible during diurnal. I, I don't know why I can never say that word. I should be able to, but uh, diurnal and nocturnal hours. A week is seven days, a month is 28 days, a year is 13 months, and a cycle is 13 years. So a little tweak from normal mm. there, but easily understandable. Simple math too, right? Don't have to worry about 365 days, blah, blah, blah. The 13-year cycle includes a year of perpetual light and a year of perpetual darkness. So you're living a year-long Alaska. Well, there, there is one, in the, and every 13 years, there's one year of darkness, one year of light. And the rest of it is normal day and night cycle. It's somewhat normal. If you remember, second edition had that, well, how many pages of charts, depending on which day it was, and it told you when the sun rose and the sun. I hope yeah, you I, don't I gotta, really have to get that in depth. You know, you can let that one go. Okay. Just, eh, yeah. let's, just let's just keep this part simple. <laughs> the Hyperborean Sea spills off the rim of the world into the infinite black gulf. So you can fall off the edge of the earth. The north wind wheels around the realm beyond the rim of the world. Great obelisks rise from the six corners of the realm. Mount, I am not even going to try to pronounce that, is Hyperborea's north pole, axis, and largest mountain. Uh, Chromarium, a cosmopolitan metropolis, is the largest city of the realm. Okay. The Zathaqua, is that how you pronounce that? Not Somebody's going to, what's that? Uh, not a clue. Zathaqua? Orthodoxy is the most... Prevalent religion in the realm. Why can't you have a religion people can pronounce? Yeah. The religion of Steve. Just the, <laughs> right. There you go. I, you know, I'm a Steve. Be a, Fine. I'm a Steveite now. You, you've already convinced me. I don't even care what you believe. <laughs> oh, stabbing kids and, and uh, raping animals. I'm in. You, see, yeah, I can at least you know pronounce what? it. The, the, the uh, business card's easy. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> right. <laughs> the indigenous Hyperborean race once ruled Hyperborea with savage cruelty. A plague called the Green Death nearly obliterated mankind 1,000 years ago. So nobody remembers. Okay, see, you know what? After, after the world was broken apart and you're not floating around Saturn, you've already dodged the biggest bolt in the world. Everything else is just gravy. Like, whatever. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh, plague, okay. <laughs> yeah, and you're on borrowed time after that. Everything else is, like, just the, the cherry on top. You should be happy you're alive at all. <laughs> And yeah, I'm not going to read the rest of that, but that gives you an idea of uh, what the world is about. And I, and I like this. I don't remember this may have been, but I don't remember this being in second edition. I thought we found out most of this at the, at the end of the book. So I'm kind of glad this is here just to let anybody just starting off like, okay, now I know what I'm getting into. Mm -hmm. Creation steps. We'll be rolling up the character. We'll, we'll go through those steps here. You generate your attributes. You choose a class. Again, this has already been said once before. We don't have to say it again. And leveling up, the realm of Hyperborea is a deadly place, and your character will face many life-threatening challenges. Through small and great deeds of adventure and daring do, if your character is fortunate enough to survive here, she will gain experience points, and through experience points, you gain levels. It's like a D&D game. Now, you're like, I'm brand new to all this stuff. Can you explain it to me? Probably when we get to that point. And you have a checklist, and certain things happen at certain levels. So you'll always want to uh, check uh, for your additional hit points, just your saving throws. See if your fighting ability goes up for us old school people. It's the combat matrix or Thaco. 
It's really simple because it's at the bottom of your character sheet. You don't even have to think. Uh, at 4th, 8th, 12th levels, fighters and fighter subclasses are eligible for a new weapon masteries. All right. Check the class description for any new uh, special abilities. We'll get to that next week. That's class description and uh, determine if you get new spells. And I think that's that's it. That's it for the introduction. Uh, let's uh, pop up any chat that we've got here so we can right. get through that quickly. And then uh, we'll get to talking about statistics in the game. I cannot read that. It's too small on the screen, so you have to read those. Okay. Hi, guys. Just found you this week. I binged Beyond the Supernatural. After 20 years of playing RPGs, I am tired of being a GM. That's that's fair. Thank you so much. A true fan now. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you very much, El De Luna. That's great. I'm glad you watched it. And there's more Palladium to come after I talk about uh, statistics. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Beyond the Supernatural reminds me, we still have the poll. If you watch uh, the, the video from last week, the conversion book video, Heathen Og is still waiting for people to put out there uh, what, what they want, want to converted. see. Yes, uh, from from uh, any Palladium system to Rifts, the, the, the system that gets the most votes, one of those characters is going to be converted to Rifts. Okay, and it's it's not going to be like oh I'm 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 going to convert a vagabond or whatever or a or a or a simple thief to rips and nothing changes haha, that was easy no I'm not going to do that to you don't worry about it. And Ravenslayer right. says sadly I have to agree with Heathen Dog and you know how I hate agreeing with him most of the time I don't know what we were talking about then but I just want to know that yeah agreeing with me is a good idea. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right, Mahawkman says a little darker. Hype has mega plagues. Oh, oh, this is this is uh if you want it to be uh uh Ravenloft, it'll get a little darker. A Hyperborea has mega plagues that can wipe out entire civilizations and create corpses that can be turned into an undead army by those prepared to avoid the plague. That's a good start. Well, that's Ravenloft. Yeah, that's Ravenloft right there, baby. That's beautiful then. Then it's ready for Ravenloft. You know what it also is? What? Yeah, plug here. Whitechester by James Grim oh, Desborough. That's right. So check out Whitechester. Whitechester is compatible with this game that we're talking about right now, Hyperborea. Yep. All right, is that it? Oh, no, more. one more. Okay. Charlotte Williams says, I'm glad it has things like this primer. Already I'm envisioning things like a cult that worships the great obelisks and other things. Yes, the background before character creation, they, they did a little mini, mini background for this, but it lets you think of, of character ideas that fit into the premise of the game. Rather than you going in your head, starting a character that doesn't fit in the game when, when you come to the background later on in the book. You're like, oh, damn it. I made a paladin. That doesn't work in this game. I didn't know until now. So, yes, this primer, really, really cool. I like it as well. Yeah, and notice it's not like 50 pages to try no. to ham fist everything into you. No. It's just enough to get uh, let you know what you need to know. So, yeah, absolutely. Hyperboy, look, I, I got to admit, I come in this a little biased because I love second edition. I know some people like OSE, other people like Castles and Crusades. Great games, don't get me wrong. But this is my OSR game of choice. I love the way the books are written and put together and presented. I loved it last time, and so far, I'm loving it this time. But I know Heathen Dog's on a little bit of a time schedule, so if there's nothing else to talk about here, I'd like to get into statistics. Go for it. Okay. All right, for the second part of segment one today, we are going to talk about the statistics. And what does that mean? Well, it's kind of an all-encompassing term. Uh, includes your attributes, includes, uh, your, we'll just call them your relative abilities for your character. We're going to look at each one of them uh, 
in depth to some degree, but not, not waste your time too much. You'll get an understanding with this. And we're going to see how you create those for your character, because this book goes right in order when it comes to character creation. We already talked about what the world's about. Now we're going to talk about, well, how do you make a character in the world? So let's jump right on into statistics. And you're going to be like, where's your normal intro? Fool you, you're not going to have it this time. <laughs> so go watch the first video. Yeah, there you go. All player characters and non-player characters. It's not. It's not showing. Oh, you're right. It's not showing, man. And I had that up there perfectly too. There we go. It's almost like I haven't done this before. Hide that because it's annoying. Okay. Hey. All right. All player characters and non-player characters possess a variety of basic statistics, physical and mental attributes, defenses, resistances, and other physical and sorcerer's abilities that are measured in numeric values. So all statistics are, are numbers for game purposes to represent your abilities. Don't get hung up on those numbers. Just understand that it's just to be there so that when you roll dice, you have something to roll against. That's all it is. This chapter covers the most essential statistics for gameplay. So attributes. All right, so six major attributes. And if you've played Dungeons and Dragons, you know these six attributes because it comes directly from there. Strength. Dexterity, Constitution, Intelligence, Wisdom, and Charisma. And we'll talk about each one of those in a little bit. And the scores range from 3 to 18. Now, what is the, even though before we even look at generating attributes, what is the simplest method to generate those attributes from 3 to 18? 3d6. Roll three six-sided dice. Exactly. And whatever those things add up to, that's the number. But he gives five methods. Of course. Five to choose from. Now, you could come, because I... Almost guarantee you my method is not in here. So there might be a six, but you can come up with your own. So roll 3d6 for each attribute in order. I don't like this method. I understand. I, I understand. I mean, uh, me method one is is made for a, uh, uh, I think, uh, a, a seasoned player who can play any class, mm -hmm. whatever, whatever, like, oh, well, I got a high dex and I'll, I'll play this class. I got a high strength or a high intelligence, high wisdom. I'll play this, this, this. And he's, he's not sure what he wants to play and he rolls it up. Oh yeah. Okay. That's a thief. And I'll, I'll play a thief. But for, for, for someone who has an idea of their character, especially if you read the background, you might have an idea of your character, then you might want to move on to another method. Yeah. And, and that, that's kind of how I am with that one. Like I like the, I like 3d six. Don't get me wrong. But I, I, I want to put them where I want to put them. But if we're just playing a hardcore game, like, look, I don't care if you all roll wizards. I don't care if you all roll fighters or whatever. We're just going to do 3D6. That is definitely, that, that's an old school way of doing it. That's for sure. So what's the next one? Roll 3D6 for each attribute. So same as method one, right? But repeat these steps twice more, producing three sets of scores. And then choose the set that best suits the type of character you want to play. Okay, th so this isn't, move it where you want it's roll three roll yep. roll three sets of six and choose the set top to bottom yep. that yep. you want or that you think is better yep you're still rolling them in order absolutely yep. correct all right so what's method three method three roll 46 and discard the lowest die roll that's that's the most uh used one i've seen in games like D D stuff like that D D second edition stuff like I, I, I that's the one i see most this is actually a little different than what I've seen. This one says roll d6 and discard the lowest die roll. Normally it's roll 46 and re-roll ones. No, no, I, I've, I've seen the discard lowest die roll. That's what I've have seen. Have you? Okay, I, I have not seen this one. Mm -hmm. uh, and assign scores to attributes as desired. So you get to choose um, where they go. Yeah. 
roll 3d6 three times for each attribute in order and select the best result. So it's kind of like the other one where you're doing three sets. Well, now yeah, you're doing... Instead of having to take the whole set, you take an attribute at a time. Yep. Okay. Now this one I hear, I've never come across it, but I hear a lot of people use this one. Roll 2d6 plus 6 for each attribute in order of strength, dexterity, constitution. The result of your character's attribute scores. Now, this provides a little higher average. Yeah, minimum, because, provides a minimum of 8. Yeah, minimum, minimum of 8, which I'm a, I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of the minimum of 8, but it then gives you an average of 13, which for me is a touch high. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, 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 you're probably one or two points away from an exceptional attribute on average. That doesn't make sense. You can't on average be so close to exceptional you're within a one or point difference it doesn't make sense and then method four or eight, five or six i can't read roman numerals nope. uh choose your character's class first and then use the following technique okay this will be interesting roll 3d6 for each attribute that does not have a required minimum score okay roll 4d6 discard lowest die result for each attribute that does have a minimum requirement score re-rolling until you achieve the requisite minimum i like okay. this it, it's it's neat i get it again this is for you read the background you're like oh crap i want to play a sorcerer that sounds really cool or i want to i want to play a fighter that sounds awesome that's my jam and you're like okay well i'll make sure you can play a fighter you can are you guaranteeing it's going to be a great fighter or a great wizard or a great thief no but you are guaranteed that you are going to be able to play that class that's nice. Yeah, I, I like I like this but, method, but but I think that that same thing can be accomplished with method three through five, really. Sure. Because you get to place attributes at that point. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, it's just personal preference. I like this conception because here's the thing: I know a lot of people, especially modern gamers. Oh my god, I remember getting into so many arguments with some five E players. You know, when when we were playing the second edition game, like my attributes are too low. Blah blah blah. How can you play a game with a seven? You know, it's, oh my god, you don't need all eighteens to play, right? Remember, Raceland became a god with a seventeen intelligence. Yeah. And uh, um, my my character in the ongoing Rifts campaign has a seven intelligence. Yeah, there you go. And, I, and I'm I'm fine. I know people want to always numbers crunch and be like, well, if I'm an 18, I can never get the highest level spells. Or if I don't have this super stat, I'm a horrible fighter with a 15 strength. No, you're not. No, you're not. And the highest level spell thing, if even if you get to level 20, the maximum number of spells of ninth level you're going to have is like, what, two? Two or three, three yeah. tops? You know, come on, man. You're missing out on two or three spells. Get over it. And there are ways to increase that. Now, this game doesn't even go to level 20, so uh, which we'll talk about later. But the point is, is I, I don't don't whine about the fact that as long as you hit your minimums, enjoy the character. Well, you know, my character sucks because I get no bonuses or anything. Have just still have fun. Part of the, and this is what is the benefit of a low fantasy uh, sword and sorcery type setting. You're kind of expected to die. I, I said that or a little. Or at least get screwed up real bad. Yeah. So. Now, attribute adjustment. With the referee's permission, an attribute can be raised by one point if another is reduced by two points. That's a common AD&D trope. Okay, so. now, this is neat if you're using method one or two, and you're like, oh, I'm only one away from being able to play the wizard I wanted. Then the game asks, okay, okay, I'll give you that one, just give, give me two in return. 
Oh, you already started. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, so, do, 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 do. Hey, you didn't read the rest of that paragraph. Look, guys. Just, we're just trying to introduce you to the game. All right. So, let's look, let's look at strength. See where exceptional... Oh, exceptional starts at 15 for strength, but it starts at... 13 for decks that means if you do the if you do the 2d6 plus six on average you're going to have unexceptional dexterity attribute that yeah. doesn't make sense well again this is very much based on old school D where they weren't equal across the board uh all right so an evaluation of muscularity power and force strength also represents how well the character can make use of physical might and I don't know. Well, we'll go into it again. I can't refer to the old game. I'd assume nobody's read it. So if you roll a three, your attack modifier for melee is minus two. Now, if you look at that, I want you to look at this chart for a moment. Oh my God, I only have a seven strength. I'm so weak, blah, blah, blah. Literally no modifier. Well, no, no, there's a damage modifier. Minus one. But we're, we're still right here, attack modifier. I know, I know. But oh. there is a modifier. Well, it's, it's so minus one. It's still minimum one damage. Yeah, fair. But the point is, it's not like you can't hit anything or can't do anything. Right. So you can be a weak wizard. You're just not going to do a lot of damage. That's fine. Now, test of strength. And we'll get into a moment here. We'll look at exactly what a test of strength is. So test of strength is you're just trying to, to do something that requires strength. Move a boulder, pick up, pick up a heavy thing, uh, lift a gate, whatever. Extraordinary feet of strength that's the uh so this is what ben bars lift gates and this is what's, okay yeah uh, this is the hercules shit right yeah here. exactly look with that you only have a two percent chance but that makes sense you're a weakling okay even the 18 fighter only has 32 percent chance actually i think fighters get a bonus but we're not gonna talk about that yet um you you have a five and six chance of a test of strength but only a 32 percent chance of extraordinary feet it's not like you all have a good chance of doing it anyway. Stop whining about low attributes and enjoy those, uh, those upper ones. And even still, it's only a minus two at, at the three and only a plus two at 18. So now, there's not a huge swing here. 10% on a D20. So let's uh, look down here. So attack modifier, obviously it's a bonus penalty applied. Damage modifier is Heathen Dog already mentioned. You know, it's, it's less damage for melee and hurled, so thrown weapons, right? Now, what is a test of strength? The chance in six to force open a stuck or locked door, move a rusted lever, or perform similar tasks that require muscle power. So here you go. Yeah, human levels of muscle power, like stuff you'd buy a strong guy could do. Yeah, there you go. You can do it. Now, now what is the other one? Yeah. yeah, an extraordinary feat of strength. The chance for strength feats of heroic stamp, such as bending the bars of a jail cell, Breaking manacles, lifting a portcullis, or powering a massive boulder off a pinned comrade. So yeah. this is your Ben Bars lift gates. Yeah, yeah. This, this is the you know I'm gonna lift the car off of, off of my baby stuff. Okay, let's move to dexterity. An evaluation of elusiveness, speed, agility, balance, and the ability to physically react to hazardous conditions. Also covers manual manipulation of mechanical and sometimes magical devices. Really, dexterity is a combination of agility and dexterity. Okay. Easy, easy to understand. Once again, minus two is the max there, but this one now pops up to plus three. That's a 15% bonus. But why, why does that matter? Well, I, I want my thief to be able to hit a thing or two, especially with that backstab modifier. 
And it only affects missiles. How often are you able to really use a bow in a dungeon with you know five foot wide hallways or maybe ten foot wide hallways, oh, and your buddies in front of you? There's crossbows for that, throwing knives, stuff like that. But they they, they are significantly weaker damage and harder to hit mm. because you're trying to shoot in between your buddies. So, so you don't want to miss. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna you're gonna. Stab Jack in the Jack in the back? No, that's not good. So what is defense adjustment? This is another important one. A bonus or penalty applied to the armor class and avoidance saves. So not just does this affect your armor class, which means that you're harder to hit. With this plus, you're harder to hit. It also affects your avoidance saves. So that means you're going to get a bonus to save versus things like fireball and uh, acid arrows Rock or wide, whatever. Yep. Yeah. So... It's either bonus that lowers or uh, lowers, which improves the armor class, or a penalty that raises or worsens the armor class. Uh, now, test of dexterity. Let's look at these tests and extraordinary feats again. The test is a one in, or sorry, chance in six to jump a ten foot pit, snag a grappling hook on a building ledge, hastily tie a bowline, or perform similar tasks. Again, Heathen uh, Dog said it wonderfully before. Normal human things to do. Extraordinary is the chance for dexterity feats of heroic stamps such as escaping bonds. You're now Houdini. Turning a somersault in the midst of combat because you don't want to get sliced and, you know, what you're Obi Wan. That would, that would be a pretty embarrassing thing. You start to do a cartwheel and you just get, okay, you know. get sliced in half. Yep. Or walking a tightrope because, you know, that's not something a normal person can just do. Right. All right. Constitution. Last of the physical abilities. Constitution. Or statistics. Evaluation of energy, fitness, health, stamina, and vitality. Constitution also represents the body's ability to withstand trauma. This trauma survival is the one I want to look at. Like you can understand hit point adjustment, poison, uh, radiation. See, it even says radiation. Expect adjustment. Uh, we'll look at the others. But the trauma survival. And why is this important? <laughs> because Crafty made me talk about it on the Friday Night Show stream. Now, uh, the likelihood of surviving system transformation of shocking degree, such as petrification or polymorph. It also represents the chance one has to be success to be successfully resurrected from death. So if heathen dog dies and we cast resurrection on him, put his, his uh, percentile chance. He's only got an eight constitution. Oh, better than it's, that. It's still a 65% chance. A nine. Shut up. You rolled badly, man. I mean, that's just how it Damn works. It. Oh, and, and let me show off here. I've got my dice, and these are important because these are actually Hyperborea dice. Isn't that, isn't that great? These dice that roll like crap for me. <laughs> you don't my, need Hyperborea dice. They're, they're normal yeah. dice, but yeah. he has Hyperborea dice. Yeah, it's just, it's a certain color. It's, I support Jeffrey Delaney. So it's really, and I rolled a 61, barely making it, but I survive. Well, Heathen Dog survives. I survive. There we Woo. go. I'm resurrected, bitch. Yep. Test of Constitution is uh, sprint more than 40 yards, which I think is weird. It is weird. Uh, toil and bitter cold. Swim That's for an weird. hour. Can't run more than 40 yards. Well, sprint. But you can swim for an swim hour. For those, <laughs> those two things are not the same. All right? Those two things. Any, any normal, healthy human being can go full out for 90 seconds. Full speed for 90 seconds. Any healthy human, adult human being. But swim for an hour? If you don't have extensive training, you're dead. That's extraordinary. 
Mm. No, no. Swim for an hour. Fuck you. No, you, you can't do it. Yes, I can. No. I absolutely can. I've done it. No, no. You haven't done it in years. I could do it right now. I, I know I could do it right now. I doubt it. We're not talking swimming at full speed, like uh, a race swimming. Just talking well, swimming. I, I absolutely I, I could do it. I imagine they're not also not talking about a pool either. They're talking about a large body of water. Because a small body of water, you're not swimming for an hour. You've reached the edge by then. So it's probably going to be rough. I'm sure I'm sure this is a game term sprint that will mean more later when we get I'm sure to it. it will, but I you know, the that's that's not that, that's too low and swim for an hour is too high for test of constitution. But the bitter it's, cold, I get that. Forced march, I get that too. So, the chance for constitution feats of heroic stamps such as climbing, rowing, running or swimming for several hours. That's fair. Could also include enduring a forced march for up to 24 hours. That's fair. Yeah. The chance might also apply to performance dis- uh, despite malnourishment. Oh, okay. Or remaining alert and awake for an extended period. So, you know, yeah. I, I've got to stay up. We've been up for 24 hours and I got to stay up because I've got first watch. You're going to make an extraordinary feat constitution. Hmm. So. All right. Now we get to the mental ones. Intelligence. You're illiterate. What's that? I might be here. Let's find out. These dice roll like crap, so let's find out. Wait, I rolled a seven. Oh, I'm not illiterate. Oh, God. you can read. Good job. <laughs> Barely. Uh, all right. An evaluation of knowledge, linguistics, literacy, problem-solving ability, and reasoning. Intelligence also represents the capacity to understand and manipulate mechanical and sometimes magical devices. Sure. And as he said, if you got, if you rolled an uh, uh, intelligence of six, you can't read. Nope. It's like me on half the streams. Um, magician bonus spells cast per day. Yeah, you, you can't even be a magician unless you have a minimum of nine intelligence. But, Might even be you know, 12, but we'll find out later. Well, I think it's nine, but probably is. Magical chance to learn a new spell. Hey, heathen, Doug, you've got an intelligence of hold on, unless you've got dice right there. Oh, uh, okay, you've got intelligence of 11. So that's no, you got a 50% chance to learn this spell. Are you going to learn it? Kill slow. That's the spell. 39%. You got it. Woo! Well, take over the stream then, buddy. All right. I'm not scrolling because I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Languages. Most player characters begin play knowing how to speak, read, and write. Why? Why is it say speak, read, and write? When people in the Middle Ages couldn't blah blah blah. Because it's a game and it gets annoying when you can't even read or write your own freaking yeah. personal language. No, no, I and I've run it I've never played a character who couldn't read or write at least one language until I played the 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 sergeant major in the Rifts campaign. And we've played two games and I know that my next secondary skill is going to be literacy because it's it's caused too many problems. Too many problems that just being able to read would have just solved. <laughs> it's not in character for me to want to be able to read, but I have to just to just to progress gameplay properly. So they took that into account. I get it, I, and I'm glad too because otherwise players will do a lot of dumb things. Oh, my character can't read. Da, da, da. So I'm yeah, I'm definitely glad that's here. It's and of course it's common tongue or native or vulgate tongue characters of low intelligence are illiterate and characters above average intelligence begin play with additional languages as you can see here so plus three languages if you have an 18 which i also like that it's not like plus 30 
Yeah, yeah, but I know people who in the real world can speak 18 languages, right? In a modern real world, that's probably, you know. Yeah. This is a, this is a land of no universities, no online classes, and if if you want to learn a native speaking language, you have to travel half your life to 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 find the area on the planet that actually has people speaking that language to become fluent. You don't got a lot of time for that. All right, Heathen Dog, we're going to say you have a 16 intelligence now. Let's raise that up. Woohoo. You're going to get one level 1 and one level two spell bonus, bonus spell per day, but you're not going to get this bonus level two until you're able to cast the level two spell. That makes sense. Yeah. So, and then finally, what is this chance to learn spell? We are. I just we just yeah, rolled that yeah. a moment ago. Hopefully, yeah. that gives you the example there. Let's move on to wisdom, evaluation of common sense, insight, judiciousness, perception, prudence, and understanding. Wisdom also represents one's emotional, intellectual, psychological, and spiritual willpower. So okay, common, so it's, most... it's a combination of self-control and empathy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see, willpower adjustment. Well, let's see what that is. Willpower adjustment, a bonus or penalty applied to saving throws associated with the, uh, with mind control. If you're new to this type of game, a saving throw is somebody trying to brain fool you. And you're like, no, sir, you are not brain foogling me. And I rolled, oh, I rolled a two. I rolled a two, but I have an 18 wisdom. So that gives me plus two to that roll. So now I have a four. I'm still brain foogled. Yeah, you're still brain confoozled. <laughs> so, yeah. Cleric's bonus spells cast per day. Same thing that we just did with the mage. Yeah. So if you've got that 18 intelligence, you can have a level one, a level two, a level three, and a bonus level four. All those bonuses right there. But not until you can actually cast those spells. So you don't get your level four bonus at level, you know, when you can only cast level one spells. And finally, chance to learn new spells. I've never understood this for clerics, but you know what? It is what it is. I just kind of felt that God should just give it to you, but you know. Hmm. I'm not against the mechanic as a whole. Actually, hang on. There's a long-standing saying, God gives you exactly what you can handle. Yeah, fair. Guess what? Wisdom wisdom 18 guy can handle more than a wisdom 10 guy. That's how it works. I'm not going to argue with it. I, I... Now, charisma. An evaluation of outward appearance, so it's your physical beauty. Leadership, so it's some presence, personality, persuasiveness, and social graces. So it's, yeah, it's looks and presence. Yep. Charisma affects how potentially hostile people and monsters might react to this character. So that leads me to believe that this game has, uh, was a morale adjustment? Uh, not re- reaction adjustment. Reaction, reaction adjustment. adjustment. Reaction modifier. Yep. And there it is right there. there reaction is. loyalty. What is reaction? Hopefully we get to that in a, in a later chapter, but essentially it's this. You meet some stranger on the street. You don't know if it's friend or foe. The game master rolls. And now adds your charisma to it. Oh, or you subtract. got eight, or subtract, right? He, no, he got that 18 charisma, right? So yeah. he gets a plus three. Well, I rolled a 10. Well, that gets bumped up to a 13, which means probably a better encounter. He starts off a little happier with you, or at least perception-wise, like, okay, I don't want to stab him immediately. Now, a minus three, that's kind of got the opposite effect. You know what? I don't have t- time to talk to you and your bad breath. Well, now, uh, since charisma is both... Uh, is both social and physical. You can choose why you have a minus three for role playing oh, sure. purposes. Like uh, I, I have, I have giant warts on my face or I have really bad skin or I have halitosis or I'm just a prick. Yeah. Is it, you could be beautiful, but be with a such a bad attitude that yeah. the moment you open your mouth, like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta adjust your adjustment. <laughs> <laughs> and it determines the maximum number of henchmen you can have. And if you're a cleric, apparently if you've if you've got good looks undead hate you more or or if you're very compelling oh come on it's looks 
I banish thee, spawn of the devil. Be gone. I'm going with looks. Okay, fine. <laughs> anyway. Okay, hang on. I, I got something to say here before you get into other statistics. Sure. I the the rolling method, which one was it? It was four that did uh 2d6 plus six. Uh I think that was I think you're right. That's uh attributes. Three, I think you're right. Um oh three, three. Oh no, four. Go four. five. Nope. Five. Okay. Rolling <laughs> method five. That is, in my opinion, un not 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 doable in this game. You cannot use it. You can't use method five. It's cheating. The reason being is because the average roll for a 2d6 plus six is 13. Mm -hmm. And on every stat, exceptional begins at 13. I watched every single stat. You get bonuses for 13 and higher. So you get plus one to damage there. You get plus one to hit with missiles there. Uh, Constitution, you get a bonus hit point. You get an extra language. Not that that matters, but if you're a wizard, you also get an extra extra level one spell. spell. Yep. Uh, let's extra, see, wisdom, extra, extra oh, wisdom. Uh, oh, ju- it's just an extra spell, yeah, just an extra spell, but that's still a bonus. Yep. And here you get uh, extra reaction, so people like you just a touch better. Yeah. So every single stat rolling average gives you exceptional. That's that's dumb. That's dumb. All right. We're going to breeze through some of the stuff. These are game concepts that, oh my God, I need to know what these are. Well, some of them will be talked about in combat and so forth, and we'll, we'll get back to it. We'll just address it here. Armor class is how hard you are to hit, okay? So normal unarmored character is armor class of nine. Theoretically, again, oversimplifying, roll a nine or better on a d20 and you're hit. There are things that will help improve that, like armor and dexterity and so forth, all right? Casting ability is a numeric value representing the efficacy of the character's sorcery. Although the casting ability of a magician or cleric equals the character's level of experience, development of this ability is delayed in certain subclasses. That means some classes can't cast spells at level one. Well, that that's not that's not uncommon. You know, rangers, bards, stuff like that. They they don't get actual casting ability until later levels. Old school clerics couldn't cast at level one either. Mm. First, I think it was first edition AD&D that changed, or it was either first or second edition AD&D that changed it. Uh, fighting ability, uh, this is again, you roll a 20, and you've got the fighting ability chart. I'll bring up a character sheet at the end of this. And obviously, fighters are going to increase in fighting ability faster than wizards are. Hit dice. This is the type of die you roll when you level up, probably gain more hit points. If you're a wizard, I'm guessing if it's like D&D, but we'll find out later for sure, you roll a D4. Yay, you can get a maximum of four hit points. If you're a big bad berserker type, you'll get a D12 and maybe you can well, get 12 more hit points. Plus your constitution modifier. Plus your constitution modifier, right? Or minus uh, your constitution modifier. Yeah, yeah. There, again, <laughs> good minimum way. one. Minimum one. one. You always get one hit point per level minimum. You, you can't go negative. You can't lose hit points by going up a level. It's not going to happen. And those hit hit dice, right? You roll those dice. Sure. Right there. Well, they translate to the number and you add each of those dice. So let's just, I'm just going to roll 2d6s right here. I rolled a three and a five. So at first level, I had three. At second level, I got five more. So now I have eight hit points. You add those together. Well, at level 10 and beyond, a static hit point figure is added to the character's total. And that is determined by your class. Yeah, that's first, second edition, AD&D, same thing. You just get uh, a straight up 
plus one to plus three, four, five, plus your constitution modifier or minus constitution modifier per level. And there you go. No more rolling. Movement. Remember, we had a really hard time finding the movement rules. I, that was one of the few things I remember from that series that we did. It took us forever to find the damn movement rules. Here's, it's right here now. It? Awesome. It you, it, before it was in the armor section. That's yep. where you had to find it. <laughs> now, because it, be, be, because it was it was attached to encumbrance. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Yeah. The number of feet per round. In, so a round in this game is 10 seconds. That's something that we can now remember going forward. So six rounds in a minute. Sure. A character can ambulate. Great word. If running twice as distance is covered, see chapter nine, movement in a dungeon in the wilderness is measured by a turn 10 minutes. Now, this is one of those weird things that I don't think second edition AD&D said well enough, but older school games said better. And this one, I'm just right there, bam, right at the beginning. Movement in a wilderness is different than movement in a dungeon. You actually switch to a different movement uh, or a different time frame. That's to keep the game moving. So. Uh, saving throw. This is the chance to avoid, resist, or reduce harmful effects. Somebody poisons Heathen Dog. Well, how do we determine how well or if that poison works? Heathen Dog rolls a saving throw. Woo. And if the saving throw is a success, the poison does minimal damage, no damage, or, or whatever it says for a successful saving throw. If he fails it, he could die. I Heathen Dog. Well, once you die and you're raised back as a zombie, we next try to turn you. We get the cleric to say, Jesus compel Okay, no, it means Cth nope. Cthulhu compels you! Get away from me, dark demon of the abyss! And then you roll your turning ability. And Heathen Dog laughs at your faith. Ha ha. Because you rolled badly. Yeah, you should have rolled option five, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all you need to know to get started with your character creation. Next, we'll go in next week. We'll it'll all be next week. The entirety of next week is just me character classes. We're going to talk about the character classes in the game. Uh, I breeze through this, but again, we're not a tutorial in this. Yeah, you uh, just got to get a handle on it. That's all. Yep. Just get it, get a handle on the concept, and you're good. If you have questions, put them in the comments. Hidden Doug, do we have any comments that uh, that we wanted to uh, bring uh, up right yeah. now? See here. Uh, Kevin Sullivan says, "Player character, not your character sheet." Yes. Yes. Your your character sheet adjusts the outcome of your character play, but it is not your character play. That's fair. 100% fair. I like that. Absolutely. Yep. And then Crafty says, Hyperborea is not about bonuses. The game is about the experience of playing in a crazy world with knights, wizards, space aliens. Again, that, that, that goes back to what Kevin was saying. That, uh, you know, you're, it's, it's about you immersing yourself in, your, in, your, in the character's world Stop making it about bonuses, minuses, and every individual die roll, blah, blah, blah. No. What about my background? I wrote a 30-page background for my character. You know what? That's great. You go ahead and keep that. <laughs> All right. That is it for week one of Hyperborea. Um, I'm, I'm liking it so far. I mean, to be fair, I like second edition. I pretty much assumed I was going to like third edition as well. But I haven't seen any major missteps so far of you. No, it, it's, I'm really happy about the movement thing. <laughs> you know, it's funny until I just read that right now. I forgot about that. Then, oh. that. then that popped in my head. It's like, that's right. We spent forever trying to find movement. Like, where is it? Uh, cool, cool, cool. Okay, I guess with that, let's put up the subscribe thing because of course you want to subscribe, 
like and share, 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 share with all your D&D OSR Hyperborea friends or people looking. You know, I want to find something new, something different, but something familiar at the same time. Show them this. All right. Okay. Do you need to take a quick break? Yes, I do. I mean, let me get everything ready first. Sounds good. Let's open this up. Good. I can bring that over there. I will address comments. And this time I will do the proclivities just for the first one. So how is everybody doing today? See, I'm catching up on some chat here. Test of strength is also escape grapple attacks from enemies. Well, we'll probably get to that when we get to combat. In combat yeah. yeah. Um, so is this the Festivus game? Beats of strength. <laughs> AD&D had those five methods? Probably. I mean, with Heathen Dog stepping away here in just a second, um, my method, as some of you probably have heard in the past, is I do 5d6. Or remove the highest and lowest because I like averages. It's so hard to get an 18, right? Also really hard to get a three. So I like characters to be more on the average size, which is kind of why I like the one for the character class that uh, where it said you can roll 46 for that one. Maybe in that case, I would do, OK, roll 5d6, take the highest three. So, yeah, your exceptional attribute, high probability it's going to be an exceptional attribute. But your other ones are going to be stuck on average. I mean, that could be something I could consider. But, uh, you know, people have different tastes. And I just want to remind folks again, one more time, uh, if you look at last week's video on the Rifts conversion book, we're looking for people to post their thoughts on there about what you would like to see. What Palladium game slash OCC RCC do you want to see converted to Rifts? Right now, the number one spot is my Nightbane character. That Heathen Dog's like, oh my god, I'm going to have to go back and look that up. That sucks. Because uh, we don't remember it. It wasn't written down. Number two, believe it or not, is my Duck Dodgers character. <laughs> Dodger the Duck. Um, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to do that one. So uh, go, go in there and vote for what would you like to do? Would you like to see a Plating Fantasy Ranger? Would you like to see a Beyond the Supernatural Nega Psychic? <laughs> He's going to kill me for that one. Uh, would you like to see something, you know, from, from any one of the games, you know, uh, a Ninjas and Super Spies character brought over? Like, wh what is it you want to see? So go find the video from last week that talks about the Rift's conversion book and go ahead and put your thoughts on what you'd like to see converted over. That ready? I'll let, I'll let you finish. Oh, you can see it on your screen. You don't need that. Are you ready? You're muted. I, I saw your lips move, but I didn't hear you say anything. I mean, I'm ready. Okay, there we go. I'm ready now. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't ready before. I'm good now. All right, for segment two today, we're Heathen has got a lot to talk to us about and a short amount of time to do it, so we're going to get him right to this here in just a moment, but he's going to be talking about Rift's Dimension Book Zero Two. And so there can be certain facets of it. If you want more, you put it in the comments and say, I want more phase world. Dang it, heathen dog. Give me more phase world. And he may or may not do that for you. It's up to him. It's all in the whims. But first thing we're going to talk about is center. What is center? Well, it is the hub. It is the center of phase world. That's about all I know. After that, heathen dog's going to have to tell us what it is. <laughs> Before he does, though, we believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. 
The focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core value of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not force diversity. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. And this week is a little foobar with the schedule, but that is our standard schedule right there. Sundays and Fridays, you got these tabletop uh, discussions, and on Thursday and Saturday, you have video games with the dirty casuals. That is it. Oops. Oh, that's right. I got to say that as well. This is live stream podcast. Don't yell at us for wandering around a little bit because it's not a tutorial. There you go. Subscribe for us wandering around in the desert alone. Or at Phase World. We're wandering on Phase World now. Wandering on Phase World. There you go. Okay. Talking about Phase World. First, we have to talk about riffs. You're playing riffs. You're like, you know what, man? This is a high technology, high magic world. Mega damage is rampant everywhere, but it's just not enough for me. I want more technology. I want more magic. I want more. And Phasewell comes around and says, hold my beer. Because that's exactly what this is. It's riffs, but more. More so magic. Are they experimenting on something there? No, no. This is, well, it's, it's an observation room. And <laughs> it looks like they're uh, sacrificing people, actually. Yeah, that's that's not great. Oh, that thing's that big? I never noticed those were people. Oh my god, that thing's huge. Those are people. Hello, people. <laughs> Goodbye, people. These guys are running. No, get me out of here. Open the door. Open the door. No, that's no, like a whale in plankton. It doesn't even need teeth. Yeah, well, it's it's got them, I guess, for <laughs> effect. <laughs> so there, that's it. That's like I said, phase world hold my beer. You like riffs? Well, you're gonna like this more. So we're going to first we're going to talk about phase world in general and center in particular to do that. We go into the overview of phase world phase world as the planet. Oops, sorry about that. What the hell happened? Your computer's doing what mine normally does. I guess so. This is crazy. There we go. All right. So phase world, the planet. First off, let's the population breakdown. Prometheans, Draconoids, Phantoms, and other. Other is humans, elves, dwarves, you know, other, other, you know, wolf and whatever, other beings from across the galaxy. And total is about 5 billion people on the planet. Phase World is the foremost trading post in the three galaxies. We're going to get to that later on. So this, this is, this is not in the Rifts, in the, in the Rifts Earth galaxy. This is another, another galaxy where three galaxies are fairly close together, close enough to where, travel and trade is possible so it's it's like a galaxy's far far away type thing because we don't know of any galaxies that are that close in real life but you know the average of large numbers being stars it's got to happen somewhere well it happened here all right so this this conglomeration of galaxies caused uh caused uh, lots of trade lots of lots of interaction and they needed a place to where this would happen well phase world was perfect because just like riffs it is not only a, a commerce hub, but an interdimensional hub as well. Just like rifts, it is uh, it is very, very, very magically active, and rifts happen all the time. And face technology helps a lot. I'm going to get in that too. Don't worry. Face technology helps a lot for the commerce and trade. So that's basically what Phase World is. 
core of the oldest. It's in the core of the oldest of the three galaxies. So it's very, very old. Billions of years old has been there for a long time. And it, it, everyone knows it. So there you go. Uh, landscape is dotted with farms and cities. However, visitors rarely get to see the majority of phase world because all visitors stay at center. Center is the only mega city on the planet. It is the interdimensional hub, the trading area, and the only place visitors are allowed. If And by visitors, I mean non-Promethean. Prometheans are the indigenous race. Not, well, supposedly the, the indigenous race. Non-Prometheans stay in center. You're not allowed out. How big is center? We're going to get there when we go okay. into, into uh, center in particular. Uh, ships in orbit around phase world can see the intricate networks of ley lines crisscrossing the planet, just like Rift's Earth. Center itself has no less than 12 ley line nexi in diverse levels of the city, usually between, I believe, uh, levels 9 and 10, the sub-levels of the city. Ley line storms occur occasionally on the planet's surface, but somehow they're always controlled without damaging people or property. Again, we're going to get into that later on as, as to why. Uh, surrounding the planet is a ring of 16 large space stations where large ships and cargo vessels dock. Also in orbit are 64 space gates. These space gates are pivotal to the trade that is the, the trade area that is phase world. These are you going to talk about those in the fourth episode today or right now? Well, I'm, I'm going to touch on them right now. I mean, because uh, space gates are important for for uh, for the general idea of what phase world is. Think of space gates as uh, Stargate. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Stargates? Uh, yeah, Stargates, Stargates. Yeah, wormhole <laughs> generators. They, they, they open up instantaneous travel to phase world. So if you have a you know cargo ship, oh, I got to get to phase world. And I'm late. Well, no, you're not. If if you if you have uh, if you have the ability to activate these space gates for a price you can buy it, you can get to Phase World instantly. Getting back, that's eh, on you. But getting to to sell your wares, you're good. Increases trade. They love it there. Uh, everything from small shuttle-sized vessels to giant cargo ships are allowed to land at Center's huge spaceport on the planet's surface. However, much of the trade takes place in orbit. You don't need to land. There's all those space stations, 16 of them, all those space stations. You can trade there. You never have to set foot in the planet. You don't have to go to Center to trade generic goods. Now, if you have this super magical sword or this, you know, uh, death ray, whatever, well, you're going you're gonna to have to sell to a single person or a or a representative of a government, they're going to want a face-to-face -face meeting, probably going to take place on center itself. You know, after seeing the cover of the book, I think I'm totally okay with just staying in space. Yeah, yeah, it's safest. Yeah, yeah. Phase world government. The phase world is controlled by the Prometheans, the only known race to have natural phase powers. This will become important in a little bit. Besides the Prometheans, only the, the Draconoid and Phantom races have a significant presence on the planet, and even those have 80% of the population in center or the orbiting spaceports. So like I said, most of the people on the planet outside of center are Prometheans. Not sure uh, how I'm going to feel about a race called the Phantoms. Well, uh, I, I'm not going to get into them today because they're not super relevant to what I want to talk about. But hey, if people want to know about phantoms and draconoids or whatever, then then you throw it in the comments. It's good. And we're not going to talk about that just yet. 
diplomacy and all direct contact with other races are also conducted by by uh, immature Prometheans because the the mature Prometheans have other things to do. I'm not, don't worry, we'll get there. We'll get there. Next video. Next video. As far as any outsiders can tell, Phase World has a very harmonious society without conflict or disturbances. Now, to be fair, if you're not allowed on the planet, how do you know, right? You don't. So, yeah, lack of information, I guess. The first stage Prometheans are intelligent and capable beings in their own right, but seem to be perfectly content with obeying their elders, the second stage Prometheans, on most things. They're the ones, the, the second stage Prometheans are the ones who create the laws, who, who, uh, who protect the planet, and when push comes to shove, they're the ones who come out and say yes or no. All right. Uh, when they are allowed to stay, non-Prometheans are treated fairly but kept under a watchful eye and have very limited rights. Most non-Prometheans, with the exception of Draconoids and Phantoms, are not allowed to visit or travel to the rest of the world or any spaceports except under strict supervision. It's kind of wow. like uh, North Korea at this point. You know, <laughs> you can go there, but you're going to have an entourage of people who don't like you uh, watching your every move. I am your minder for today. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very few people are ever granted residence rights. The Draconoids and Phantoms tend to live in their own communities and select their own local governments. Most of them stay at center and avoid the rest of the planet. So even if you're even if you're allowed to stay on the planet, you're not allowed full access to almost anywhere. You have minders with you. And even if you're a, an allowed race like Phantoms and Draconoids, they usually stay in their own little thing and do their own laws. And, you know, as, as long as they don't break the Promethean laws, they don't care. Govern yourself. Center is the same way. Center right here. 600 million inhabitants total, plus an additional 80 to 100 million in the orbiting space station. Wow. The orbiting space stations are, are considered center as well because center of trade. And, and they're apparently really big. Yeah. Only 5% of the, of the people in center are Prometheans and they're all, they're all first stages. They're all, you know, immature. 5% Draconoids, 5% humans, phantoms, wolfen, uh, Seljuk, have fun with that one, and Noro and Other. 73% is Other. That's because it is an interdimensional hub. So people are coming and going all the time. So really Other is the only way to do it because it changes every hour, every minute. I can't handle 1% of the entire population being my wife. <laughs> well, if there were 100 of them, you'd be fine with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. Uh, center is an artificial mound a mile high and shining with a million lights at night. It is the oldest known building in the three galaxies, as well as the largest. Wow. It is revered as a religious shrine to the first race, believed to be the city's original architects, and chastised as many as a den of iniquity. Here's the deal. Here's why this is. Center was built for extremely large inhabitants. So... From floor to ceiling, it's around 50 feet. Oh, stand by. And I'm not going to be able to edit that out. Well, I would be able to edit that out, but uh, it's not going to happen. So I'm just going to fill up time here and say things. <laughs> Dang it, I didn't want to have to edit a video. Uh, actually, I have one comment starred. He doesn't have to be part of this one, so... Gaming with ADHD says, I struggle getting interested in the dimension books for us. Well, hopefully Heathen Dog helps you with that today, but it also depends on what you want. So like uh, for me, Phase World, I was looking at Phase World a lot when it came to trying to make a, uh, a Palladium 
uh, space opera type game, kind of a Star Trek, Star Wars type thing that I wanted to do. My problem with Phase World was that I didn't want it to be MDC, and it was still a bunch of clown shoes. Not not this part right here, but there were some character classes, OCCs, RCCs I didn't want to deal with. Easy to take yeah. out, but I was looking for something different. Understood. All right, where was I? Uh, okay. The, the the reason it's a it's a den of iniquity is because the Prometheans who who govern the planet and center you know because it's on the planet really don't care what the people there do. Their laws are very very uh, independent live and let live. of what's that live and let live. It's it's more you know we have high level laws as long as you don't cross them we don't care, and murder is not considered to them be a high level law they don't care okay so so the the people of center had to create their own government their own rules and they actually had to uh had to create create structure inside the build inside the building itself to accommodate normal sized people because most people are not you know 30 feet tall right so they actually sectioned off center into many many uh different uh different levels levels uh, 1 through 10 to uh to uh, to accommodate more people and you know to give give yourself more square footage but they are they're self-governing until center or phase world is in danger and that's that center or phase world in danger as as the prometheans see it and if if you cross that line you are stomped flat we're going to get in the prometheans in the next video but it, you you will be done and that's it so all of the rules that people in center make, make sure, damn sure, that you don't cross that uncrossable threshold the Promethean set. Center is, itself, is there an example of the, that uh, those thresholds here in this uh, book? If center, the, the, the building center itself, the actual city, the original structure is almost indestructible. It was created of some magical uh, uh, hybrid scientific alloy that is all but indestructible. But attempting to destroy center that's a hard and fast rule landing anywhere on the planet without permission hard and fast rule and trying to take over the planet hard and fast rule and the prometheans come out and you're going to know it well no you're not going to if you're the one who did it you're dead now but people who saw you die they're going to know it so yeah so uh, the reason they call it a den of iniquity is because uh, each level or a section of a level is uh, has its own local government and the rules are strict or lax depending on the race or government that is in control. So uh, in, in one level, uh, almost everything could be illegal. Anything could be a vi anything that's a vice could be a sin, blah, blah, blah. And and uh, and is outlawed. You go up one level and that's all completely illegal. It's fine. <laughs> You know, slavery, all oh, legal. It's fine. I'm only one floor away from Las Vegas, baby. Exactly. Yeah. But you're also one, one floor away from Prude Land. Oh. So, you know, mind your P's and Q's. If you're uh, traveling different levels of the city, make sure you're, you're in compliance with the place you're going. That's important. Uh, center is the city city. The streets are constantly filled with throngs of visitors. Everything is open around the clock. Merchants have three shifts a day. And selling, well, they, they, nothing ever closes. It's, it's it's literally the city that never sleeps. And the selling, trading, gambling, dining, adventure never stops. The lights never go out, except in the places where there are a few lights to begin with. 
you know, there are some nocturnal species. Like, I don't know, phantoms, maybe. Maybe. Uh, many people have been born, lived their lives, and died in center without ever setting, stepping foot out of it or going more than one or two levels up or down. It's that big. And it's that sufficient. Like I said, it's an interdimensional hub. So getting supplies is not a problem. And it's, it's also that hub. creepy. What's that? It's also that creepy. It's also creepy, yes. So, but in center, a lot of places is the Wild West. You you go to make your fortune. Lacks rules, almost no oversight in a lot of the areas. And you, you can make a lot of money really fast. But you can also lose a lot of money really fast. including And you can lose your life. Because a, a lot of these places are, like I said, the Wild West. And you can just get shot. You know, for looking at someone cross-eyed, you can get shot. And that's that's how it works. So that is a basic overview of center and the uh, phase world in general. Next, we're going to go into the Promethean race and why phase world is still independent, even though there are a lot of races out there that would love to get their little grubby hands or in the case of Splugorth, tentacles on this joint and why they failed. All right. I don't have any questions, comments uh, that, that I started. I mean, some good stuff in chat, but uh, we'll keep this moving on here. So everybody should like, subscribe, and share. you got Palladium friends. you got people who want to run a space opera or space diverse <laughs> sci-fi game, space anything. Check out Phase World and let them know about this video. Oh, I got I got a Crafty here. Crafty, uh, if you want me to go over Cosmo Knights, that's completely fine, but I'm not going to do it today. Just throw it in chat. If enough people want more of Phase World, then we'll get more of Phase World. But uh, right now, the, the Prometheans are the main race because they are they are integrally connected to phase one. Well, Sigil is Planescape. Right. Uh, uh, all right. Can you take that off the screen? Well, I thought we were going to answer questions first. Oh, I, I didn't start any. Oh, okay. Stand by. Oh, I thought you're. I thought you're banning him. No, no, I'm not going to ban him. I mean, you're the one who hates who hates Sigil. I, I'm all, I'm all right. I don't Travis, I want more phase world. You're going to get more phase world. You're going to get more Prometheus. Yes, we're we're getting we're getting more. Dan, Dan, we're going to get you some more phase world here. We've got three more segments of phase world for you today. <laughs> all right, you ready? Yep. And can you remove his his comment now? Oh, sorry. All right, for the second part of segment two today, Heathen Dog has promised us Prometheans. Why are they so important slash powerful slash weirdos, whatever they happen to be? Well, guess what? It is a racial character class. That means you could be a Promethean in the game. Hmm. Is that good? Is that bad? We're about to find out right now as Heathen Dog talks to us about Promethean racial character class. All right. Now, if you're going to understand anything about Phase World, and center and the, the galaxy in general, you have to understand what the Promethean RCC is. The Prometheans are an ancient and mysterious race. You're going to understand why in a minute. Their large size, second stage, and stone-like hides give them a brutish, intimidating appearance. But these looks are deceiving. The Prometheans have one of the highest IQ averages in three galaxies, surpassed only by a strictly telepathic race. Uh, you're what? So they cheat. <laughs> So the so the, the telepathic race cheats. Yeah. Okay. 
More importantly, these massive humanoids are the only race that has mastered phase technology and the only sentient race that can step out of phase naturally without the use of this technology. What does that mean? Don't worry, we're going to get to it. First, we have to talk about the two stages of Prometheans. One of them is an RCC that you can play. The other is one that you cannot. But and I want if, to. If you become the second stage, you also become an NPC. I'm going to get to why. Prometheans have two stages of development. First stage Prometheans are what most people think of when they talk about the members of the race. Big blocky humanoids, kind of like uh, uh, Incredible, not Incredible, but uh, uh, The Thing from the Fantastic Four. Okay. All right. Uh, humanoids with enormous intelligence and strange powers. However, they're only the immature individuals of the race. The larva children, stage. Children, like the elders. The elders are second stage Prometheans. They are giants, averaging over 30 feet tall. They are rarely seen in public and never outside of phase world. Their way of thinking is completely alien to most races. It is believed that they are able to project their consciousness into several universes at the same time and that they are in communication with four or five dimensional beings at any given moment. The, they are completely beyond your understanding. So wait, 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 wait. Why can't I be one? Because they are completely beyond human understanding and you're a human being. You can't do oh. it. Oh. You can't do it. You, you can't play one. Uh, nobody seems to know what their goals are. I'll give you a hint. Don't worry. A few people have started cults that either worship the second stage Prometheans as gods or damn well as demons. Well, you know what? I don't want to do that. No, no, no. If they own this place, I am not damning them as a demon. No, no, no. You, you, you let, them, let them be. You let them be. All right. They They have the power of gods, so you don't want to mess with them. The Prometheans ignore both the worshipers and the persecutors because they don't care. You can't hurt them. You can't do anything against them. You are beneath their concern. Let that sink in. Nobody knows for sure how long Prometheans live. Long time. There are no recorded cases of a second stage Promethean dying from old age in the known history of three galaxies. Many believe that Prometheans are true immortals, vulnerable only to accidents and violence. <laughs> Others think that these creatures are very long-lived, but they die eventually. Now, uh, to put this in scope, uh, supernatural intelligences, Splugorth, Old One, no, well, not the great old ones, but old ones, stuff like that. They have around a quarter of a million year life cycle. They live for about a quarter of a million years. Drop in the bucket. <laughs> so. Even if one were to die, there's no one around who could actually mark that as happening. Prove it. The person who saw him last is probably long dead now. Now you know why transdimensional TMNT exists. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, otherwise, Prometheans would have overrun the entire, gal entire universe long ago. Since the second stage Prometheans volunteer no information about themselves, none of these rumors can be proven. Well, yeah. I mean, they don't talk to you. You're beneath their notice. So they're not going to tell you anything. It's not like they they subject themselves to lowest lane level interviews. No, they don't care what you what you care about. They don't. They have other concerns, multi-dimensional concerns that you can't fathom. So why even talk to you? It's worthless. Now, here's the first stage Promethean. These ones are player characters. First stage Prometheans are large humanoids, seven to ten feet with barrel shaped chest, thick limbs and round heads. 
Their grayish purple skins are coarse with consistency and hardness of stone. Their mouths are little more than thin slits and their eyes are solid black beads. Promethean, yeah, you're going to see a picture of them later on. Their mouths are little more than thin slits. Yeah, okay. Prometheans have no noses, but they don't need to breathe. So who cares? They draw air through their mouths only to speak. They can survive in the vacuum of space, unaided by any breathing apparatus or oh, vacuum look. suit, and are invulnerable to most environmental hazards, including radiation and toxins. Well, toxic. <laughs> so how are these player know. characters? Hang on. We're getting there. The immature Prometheans, first stage, are actually as intelligent as adults of most sentient races. They are roughly human size and appear to have no genders as we understand them, because that's not part of their life cycle. They don't know much about their second stage elders, but instead of trying to understand what they will become, they seek to learn as much as they can about the rest of the universe while they're here. First stage Prometheans are expected to experience as many different situations as possible before moving on to the second stage. That is that is important because you have to understand the universe you're in to understand the uh, multiple universes you're going to fathom later on. So you need to have a, a solid base to jump off from to be godlike beings. Also, intelligent people realize that experience breeds wisdom. So. Yes. All right. And uh, Prometheans become eligible to enter their second stage of development after reaching 10th level and attaining the appropriate good alignment. Good alignment. Any of the good alignments it will do, but you have to be good. And then you can ascend. To do so, they must pass a test to determine their maturity. This test will almost always involve a quest of some sort, either somewhere in the three galaxies or someplace in the megaverse. The, you know, multiple dimensions, the phase world and center itself is a multidimensional hub. So the, the second stage Prometheans could send you off to, you know, Palladium Fantasy World or send you to Heroes Unlimited World or beyond it's, the supernatural world, whatever. It's this quest that makes them never want to leave uh, center once they become yeah. second stage. They're like, man, that sucked. I'm bad. <laughs> Traumatized. Many, yeah. Many of these tests are dangerous and may have important consequences for other people. In some cases, the test has involved saving an entire planet from a plague, an invasion, or some other disaster. Prometheans undergoing the test can secure help from other beings, including younger Prometheans. An adventure or even a campaign could revolve around a group of player characters trying to help a Promethean past the test of maturity. Some refuse to take the test. There's no stigma attached. You don't want it. You don't got to have it. No one's forcing you. You don't want it. We don't want you to have it. Exactly. You don't want it. Then you don't get it. There you go. Uh, if any case, the, the character can always change his mind at any point in the future. Elders make the assumption that if a young Promethean does not want to take the test, you're simply not ready for it and you should wait. Okay. Great. Now, these first stage Prometheans are special because they're MDC, but they're not. Okay. Let's, let's explain that. These are your stats. As you can see, 3D6 plus 10, 4, 3D4 plus 10, these, these are not normal. They, they, they just you know, run human beings up, up and down the, the schoolyard, just beating the shit out of them, taking their, taking their lunch money. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Cause right now this is not, a, this is too powerful for a player character. Hang on. Here we go. MDC none, but C natural abilities. Here we go. SDC slash hit points. One D six times 100 SDC and PE times five hit points Add two D six hit points per level of experience. Also the Prometheans unique phase powers protects them from most MDC attacks. <laughs> MD attacks inflict only one SDC point per MD point. SDC weapons do half damage. That means they auto convert MDC to SDC damage. 
because of their natural phase ability. Where's and the then, other shoe? There, there is no other shoe. This is not a race I would allow people to play. This oh, is okay. not a race. Lifespan unknown at least several thousand years. That's their, that's their immature, Im- immature. They can last several thousand years and never, never ascend. You know, I've been thinking about if I want to take this maturity test since, I don't know, your Roman Empire. Natural abilities. Doesn't breathe air and immune to radiation, normal heat, fire, cold gases, and disease. That's a lot of immunities. Can see in total darkness and have eagle-like normal vision. In palladium, eagle-like normal vision is you can read something the size of a stop sign at two miles away. That's eagle-eye, normal vision. Phased bodies. The Prometheans are in a permanent state of phase. This means the energies of most weapons are harmlessly dispersed as they pass through the bodies. This dispersal is directly proportional to the energy of the weapon. Hurting a Promethean is equally easy or hard with an archaic SDC sword as an MD laser. Mega damage attacks inflict only one SDC per MD point, while SDC weapons do half damage. So they can easily go to non-magic worlds and still be fine still be better than everybody around them and not like they need it you saw the stat you, you, right? you know that that i don't care about that weird concept called game balance right like like i think it's <laughs> asinine to, to worry about things like game balance but at the same time there are certain things how i really like to know how you justify i mean is phase world itself that much more powerful where if everything you played was out of the phase world book that this would make more sense or is this um, just no? It's just really because like oh, violence sells everything. He's like, I like the wolf and lawmen, so obviously there are some things in here that would be could be interesting. Yes, there 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 are normal type races, but there's also the Cosmo Knights. There's also the Phantoms, stuff like that. That are like, whoa, this is a bridge too far. But the the first stage Promethean and the Cosmo Knight, they're kind of neck and neck with what are you doing here? Like, why is this happening? So, yeah, I would not allow a player to play a, a, a first stage Promethean. I wouldn't. Just like I wouldn't allow a, I wouldn't allow a player to play a Cosmonite unless everyone was. It's it's, it's kind of like the whole uh, Star Wars thing. You're either all Jedi or you're not, okay. or no one is, because that ruins game balance. That's these guys kind of do the same thing. Plus, they have phase teleportation. Prometheans can step out of phase and travel at incredible speeds in an intangible state. This is equivalent of teleportation, not really, but equivalent because a phased character can only travel in a straight line and only for a second or two. Concentration takes one melee round and is the only action they can perform. Chance of success is 50% plus 4% per level of experience. A failed roll means the teleport does not occur. Passengers, vehicles, and large amounts of equipment cannot be teleported along with the Promethean. One mile per level of experience. That's in a round. You can travel a mile per level of experience almost instantly. It's like stepping across the room. You're going, going miles. See dimensional anomalies because of their phase powers. They, they can see alterations in space time can yeah. automatically detect rifts, dimensional envelopes and pockets, fourth dimensional and two dimensional beings traveled uh, astral travelers and the invisible energy essence of alien intelligences and entities range one mile or line of sight. Whichever is less. So in space, yeah, you can see further. Yeah, look out the window. Oh crap! There you go. And they they ley line phase like a ley line walker. 
Awesome. This is what they look like. Yep. There you go. Rock man. Yep. Uh, psionic powers, empathy, telepathy. <laughs> oh, they have, they have powers too. Yeah. They have psionic powers as well. Yeah. Sorry about that. Empathy, <laughs> telepathy, total recall, mind block, auto defense are automatic <laughs> to all Prometheans. Plus any three powers from healing, sensitive or physical. Add one more power from any of these three categories every level after the first. What? Yes. <laughs> well, at least it's not super psychic. Yes, they don't. They don't get any. Well, these guys don't. <laughs> ISP me times five plus ten per level. Considered a master sign. No kidding. Oh, of course. Magic powers varies. Some Prometheans <laughs> pursue temporal magic, becoming either temporal wizards or time masters. The, these are OCCs that are explained later on. But most of them disdain the study of magic. I don't know. I don't know why we got phase powers and psionics. Who, you don't need it. It's not like you disdain it. It's like not necessary. Prometheans can use temporal magic spells, but no normal spells instead of their RCC related and or secondary skills. So if you if you give up your related skills and your secondary skills, you can use temporal magic instead. You can now get get all the temporal wizard abilities. Okay, awesome. Only about 5% of all first-stage Prometheans bother learning spells, and only 1% dedicate themselves full-time to the pursuit of magic. See the Promethean Time Master OCC. Phase powers. Prometheans can also study and deepen their knowledge of phase powers, which is what many do. Each phase power learned in this way counts as an other or secondary skill, just as spells. See above. <laughs> Up to four phase powers can be learned this way, but no more powers can be learned or purchased past this point. Unless you are a Promethean phase adept RCC. See, there, there, there are different RCCs depending on if you specialize in magic as a Promethean or psionics as a Promethean or neither. This is the neither. This is the jack of all trades, master of none RCC. Then you, you can delve into the phase adept or, or uh, Promethean temporal wizard. Prometheans have supernatural strength, inflict mega damage <laughs> with their punches and kicks. Uh, I'm immune to mega damage, but I deal mega damage. Yeah. Automatic bonuses are plus one initiative, plus six save versus magic, plus three versus sonics, plus six versus horror factor. These are all in addition to attributes and skill bonuses. Vulnerabilities, phase tech weapons inflict double damage and magic does full damage. That's oh, there's the only, disdain. That, that's their only minus. It, but no, that, that explains the disdain though right there uh, yes. of magic because that's the one thing that can... That does full damage. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that is your generic first stage Promethean. There's the phase adept and the time master. Oh, of course. Phase mystic. And we're going to second stage Promethean. Okay. Wait, does that here. guy look digested, uh, dejected? Can you just go back up a second? Did he just yeah. fail his test? He's he like, could have oh. failed this test. He could have failed this test. And, and daddy is not pleased. <laughs> does daddy even care? Well, he cares that he failed because that's oh. one less second stage Promethean. He can count as a brother. Okay, here we go. Non-player characters. So if you become a second stage Promethean as a first stage, give your character sheet to the game master and wave goodbye. And it says it in the, right, right there in the book. It's not like Heathen Dog's making this up saying no. you shouldn't do it. It's right there. Non-player no, characters. You can't. When a Promethean passes the test of maturity, he walks into one of the initiation temples, one of six on Phase World. Some never come back out. Those that do are transformed physically and mentally. Their old personalities become a fading echo and are replaced by an alien way of thinking. 
Second stage Prometheans are similar to elementals and other alien beings that, that, in that their morality and principles have little in common with everyone else. They are a higher, literally higher planes of existence than you now. Your, tr your troubles and foibles and whatever problems or things you aspire to don't matter in their now increasingly grand scheme of things. You don't matter anymore. Friends, lovers, I had a wife. Well, he doesn't care anymore. Doesn't care anymore. I, I had people I was adventuring with for a hundred years. He doesn't care about you anymore. He's gone. Version 2.0 is here. And he don't, you know, you don't, you don't give a square to piss. But we helped you with your damn quests. We yeah, got you well, to this point. Thanks mm -hmm. a lot. Piss off now. Actually, no, you know what? He would probably give all of his worldly possessions to his group that helped him because he doesn't need it anymore. That's fair. For instance, the rulers of Phase World permit all kinds of criminal activity to occur on center, including slavery, drug trafficking, kidnapping, and extortion. Only the areas directly under the Prometheans' control are free of such activities. Either the second stage Prometheans don't care about the victims who suffer, or they choose not to interfere for some unknown reason. I'm going with one. They don't care. And that answers your question, Mar Hockman. Second stage Prometheum are fearsome creatures. They double or triple in size, 15 to 30 feet tall. Their speed and agility are reduced, but their rock-like bodies become incredibly tough, making them full mega damage beings. Looking at a second stager for more than a few minutes can be unsettling because their form seems to change in subtle ways. Color starts fluctuating. They seem to get bigger, smaller. As you're looking at them, it gives you a headache. They are in multiple dimensions at the same time. So their aspect keeps changing. It makes them creepy. They're they're well, not already creepy. had a horror factor of 10 with the first stage. What's the horror factor here? 50? We're going to find out. Uh, second stagers rarely become involved in the affairs of the megaverse. When they do, it means some danger to of cosmic significance is at large. They are distrusted and feared by many of the other great powers of the megaverse. The Splugorth hate these beings, but all direct attacks against the Prometheans have failed miserably. Wow. Because you are a three-dimensional being, but I'm a supernatural intelligence. Yes, you are, and that makes you very powerful to other three-dimensional beings. You get four, five, and six dimensions, you're an ant. You are a nothing. Something to be squashed and forgotten about. Splugorth hate that. They hate that because they, they think of themselves as the greatest things that sliced bread. In, instead, the Splugorth have decided to maintain a facade of diplomacy. Dude, whatever you got to tell yourself to sleep at night. <laughs> All right. You're, you're not a threat to them. Let it go. Uh, while trying to subtly sabotage and undermine the Giants, you can't. They're, they're playing 5D chess. You're playing 2D chess. You lose. A few gods and supernatural beings are on good terms with the Prometheans. Uh, Zarva, who is, a, who is a fourth or fifth dimensional being himself. Brahma, who is all the gods in the Indian pantheon all at once. Those, those two beings are on par with the Prometheans. Those two beings and maybe a couple others who are like, who are similar, I can't think of right now. Note, second stage Prometheans are meant to be NPC race. Their power and alien nature make them unfit as player characters. Alignment unknown. <laughs> unknown. Like first stage, first stage Prometheans were unfit as player characters too. 
Yeah. Yeah. And first stage Prometheans to take the test have to be good alignment. But second stage Prometheans, no one knows because you can't understand them anymore. How do you gauge morality of something that you can't even understand their morality anymore? You can't. It's, it's unknowable. Attributes. Use the first stage Promethean, but add the following bonuses directly to, to their attribute. Plus two IQ, ME, MA, PS, plus one D6 to that. Minus two to physical prowess, plus one to PE, minus one physical beauty, minus one D6 to speed. Still all supernatural beings. MDC, 46 times 100. Whoa. That seems crappy, right? Well, no, how because it, average is 1,400. What does Splugarth get? Oh, they get thousands, tens of thousands of, S of MDC. Oh, okay. Tens of thousands. So how are these? Well, hang on. We're getting there. We're getting there. Horror factor 14. That's because they're crazy to look at. Average lifespan, just say forever. Just say forever. <laughs> Just say for natural abilities don't need to breathe air, immune to radiation, normal heat, fire, cold, gas, disease, and normal first stage stuff. Eagle eye, normal vision, fine. Total darkness, fine. Okay. Phased bodies. Prometheans are in a permanent state of phase. The energies of most weapons are harmlessly dispersed. Second stage Prometheans are totally impervious to SDC weapons and other attacks do only one quarter damage. Even magical and psionic attacks are affected by this power and do half damage. So under normal circumstances, they have quadruple MDC. So you're going 46 times a hundred. Yeah. So average that that's, uh, that's, that is uh, 10, uh, 1400, 1400. So quadruple that. And that's what they have normally double it for magic and psionics. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I did notice with that is uh, they do seem to lose a little bit of resistance to MDC because before it was SDC, but only one point. No, 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 no. It was uh, MDC is transferred to M to SDC on a one for one basis. Oh, okay. I misunderstood that. All right. Yeah, it was the one for one. So if you got hit with an MDC plasma, when it hit their bodies, it would do that many damage in SDC. Okay. okay. I, I misunderstood. So they are stronger. Phase teleport. Prometheans can step out of phase just like their, uh, their younger, younger siblings. This is the equivalent of teleportation. Uh, concentration to one round range, 1000 miles, yeah. one step, thousand miles chance success, 88% plus whatever level of experience they are from, uh, from being a first stage. Remember you have to be at least 10th level to become a second stage. So that is 98%. Guess what? That's the max bare minimum. They have a 98% chance to succeed. Yay. So they are probably going to do it. Second stage Prometheans can travel to other dimensions without opening rifts or using dimensional gates. This power is limited to places, dimensions known by or previously visited by the character, even when he was first stage. That's why they want to get you the experience. That's why the Prometheans are on phase world. It's an interdimensional hub. The more places you go as a first stage Promethean, the more places you can go to as a second stage Promethean automatically. Sense dimensional anomalies, same thing, one mile. Ley line phasing, same thing. Experience level, first stage, uh, minimum 10th level, and then you, you gain level as a second stage per dragon experience. No, that uh, makes sense. Powers, you know all sensitive, physical, and healing powers. Plus, you get to choose four supersonic powers and learn a new one every level after, after your first level. <laughs> ISP, triple what you had as a first stager. Remember, you're minimum level 10. So triple, triple that 
Magic powers, only if you learn them as a first stager. Phase powers, all of them. All of them. Just all of them. Combat, your first stage abilities at level 10. You don't gain any more because you don't fight as a three-dimensional being anymore. Okay? You don't really do that anymore. So you don't really gain more knowledge as a second stager in that area. Uh, alliances and allies. Second stage Prometheans are an important force in the megaverse, but they rarely use their powers to interfere with others. They are on good terms with good terms with Zervan, the Persian god of time, and with the ruler of the Indian Brahma. Like I said, they may be involved in the efforts to contain a number of powerful evil intelligence, such as the old ones. They are. The second stage Prometheans, part of their job is to keep the great old ones imprisoned in the in the Palladium fantasy universe. Zarvan and Brahma do the same thing. They expend hundreds of thousands of PPE every six months or so, keeping those spells active. If those immortal, primordial alien intelligence ever get out, they have millions of MDC. They will run rampant, destroying galaxy after galaxy. They've been enslaved so long, they will go insane and just destroy everything. One universe at a time. That can't happen. So they help stop that from happening. And that is the Promethean race. Now, is it a player? No. But first stage, you can play. I wouldn't allow it. I don't recommend any game master allow allow uh your your at least your first run through on phase world to be a promethean so are, so answer this then why uh, why did you feel that the prometheans were important to talk about what what specifically they, was they are integral to phase world the reason phase world is free is because of the prometheans yeah. the splugorth would have conquered it long ago if not for the promethean race All right, what do we got for uh I, I only started one. Okay. That was this one. I don't get why people think that Rifts is too gonzo and only attracts toxic jerks. Well, I don't know about the toxic side, but I yeah. Don't know about the but it's definitely gonzo a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> Rifts Rifts is meant to be that way though. It's meant to be over the top. And and Face World, like I said, is the hold my beer reference to like how over the top can you get from Rifts? Well, this over the top. I mean, Dan says something that you kind of said before. An all Promethean party could be fun. I mean, if you're doing that like, as the whole exactly, yeah. like I said, if it's all Promethean, fine. But one Promethean, it's going to get weird because everyone's going to be second fiddle. And I said it before, but I'll say it again. Uh, Violence solves everything. Said that he likes the wolf and lawman. Okay, well, if you throw it in the comments in this thing, and they, you know, I want to, I want to see the wolf and lawman. Like, oh, then I'll do it. All right, I have nothing else for this. So the next thing we're going to talk about is, well, oh, the governments. There are two. There's like the Empire three, and some three. Unity. There's oh, okay. three, three main galactic governments in the three galaxies. I'm going to touch on them. All right. Stand by, oh, though. Actually, hold on. I cheated. I should say that first. Like, subscribe, and share. Share, 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 share with all your Palladium friends. And just let me know when you're ready. Stand by. No problem. Yep, I'm going to have to update uh, the information that I put for the government's one because I saw two. I didn't see three, but that could... Oh, yeah, there's, there's three. Okay. All right, I'm ready. 
All right, as we continue on with Phase World, Heathen Dog is going to talk to us about the governments. I'm not sure after listening about the Prometheans why we need governments anymore, but uh, we're going to find out why and how and what these governments of the three galaxies happen to be. So be sure to like, subscribe, and share for more Phase World riffs and Palladium goodness. All right. Now, uh, governments, I'm, I'm doing the main three. Now, there are other governments. There's there's unaligned worlds or, or unaligned conglomerates. And then there's the Splugorth, which you could probably think of as hut space if you're a Star Wars fan. They're, they're, they're huts. They, they, they're slavers. They're traitors. They, you know, that's what they do. But there's three main governmental bodies in in these galaxies and i'm going to go over them right now the first one is the consortium of civilized worlds they're mostly human not by a lot but mostly next are, are the our max max's wife race the the the, the Noro. Noro, uh wolfen cater uh the the seljuks again and other of course you know this is a these are high magic galaxies so interdimensional travel is a thing so you do that the ccw is the largest and most influential civilization of the three galaxies matched only by the transgalactic empire. Don't worry, get those two. Several centuries ago, two budding federations of planets ran into each other. One was led by humans, the other by Noro. Fortunately, neither federation was interested in war and a peace treaty was signed. Oh. Not too long afterward, the Krigor Dominion, the predecessors of the transgalactic empire, we're going to talk about later, started raiding the systems of the two collectives. A short but brutal space war later, the Noro and humans decided to join forces against this existential threat on their freedom, and that became the Consortium of Civilized Worlds. Well, let's look at their government. So the Krigor aren't civilized? Oh, they're I Krigor <laughs> Klingon. I'm going to go with Klingon. Okay. They're they're a mixture of Klingon and Romulan. So so, so somewhat good. They don't, they don't get along with folk. They don't. The Consortium of Civilized Worlds is not as organized or controlled as a typical nation from 20th or 21st century Earth. In some ways, it is similar to the American Confederacy during the Civil War, a loose alliance of states, and has limited authority over the internal affairs of its members. Think of it this way. It, it's a... Uh, it's uh, everyone has these broad, everyone is under the umbrella of these broad laws. So it's the European Union. Yeah. The European Union is perfect. Yes. It's the European Union. Each sovereign country or, or group of systems governs themselves, trades with themselves. As long as they don't break any of the giant umbrella rules, everything's fine. It's very much like that. The rules of the Civilization Compact are fairly simple. First, slavery is outlawed on all planets and territories. Slaves may not be owned, sold, or transported in consortium space, and any slaves who are found are considered free people automatically gained asylum by the CCW authorities. Secondly, no consortium member may engage in the conquest or colonization of other worlds without the consent of the consortium at large. Mm. This is not just worlds inside the consortium, yeah. but conquering worlds outside as well. You need a majority vote to conquer a world that is outside the consortium. Mm. So aggressive expansion is not allowed. Now, if you want to trick, cajole, or bribe your way into expansion, that's fine. That's fine. But you can't do it at the end of a gun. Uh, the third clause in the compact is that the signatory world must be represented by a planetary government, a single planetary government. 
each planet, if you want in on this, you have to have one government on the planet. So who's the ruler of Earth? Well, Earth isn't in there. Well, no, I know, but uh, that, yeah, think exactly. about it that way. Who is who is the guy in charge of your entire planet or the governmental body in charge of your entire planet? You have to sort your house before you can play with the big boys. Somebody find Doctor Who. Yeah, there you go. Those are the basic rules of the consortium. They are not very detailed since they are meant to cover many different races, cultures, and civilizations. Like all laws, the Civilization Compact is often ignored, sidestep, or broken. Several dozen worlds ruled by dictatorships or other exploitative representative governments are a member of the consortium. Hey, you want you want in? You got to have one government. Did you do that by force? I don't know, but it's one <laughs> government now. Are is anyone slaves? No. Okay, you're fine. Cool. So the the uh, CCW is like the EU. Okay. All right. Big, huge general rules, but mostly people take care of themselves. They govern themselves, do what they see fit. Then we move over to, we don't need to go into particular here. Uh, governmental trooper, blah, blah. These, these are like federal, federal troops. I, okay. I mean, I, I like, I mean, let's not spend time on the OCCs, but stopping for just a moment to see what they are uh, gives, helps give a feel for the government. Treaty violation inspector. You know, this is your. I'm guessing he's psychic. Oversight. Over he's probably not. He's probably <laughs> in, enhanced. Yeah. Cyber next, none to start with. Okay. See related skills. No, not psychic at all. He's just oh, a dude. Interesting. All right. He's just a dude. CAF scientist, federal, federal government scientist. Noral race. How are you doing, Noral race? That's not what my wife looks like. That's exactly what your wife looks like. <laughs> she, she's a neuropsychic right here. Okay, I'm into that. Yeah, you got yeah, bald-headed fetish. <laughs> uh, space Wolfen. Space Wolfen! Yes! Yes! Space Wolfen! Space Wolfen! I'm in. I'm joining, I'm joining whatever empire that is, I'm in. I'm playing it right now. Okay, here's the transgalactic empire. They're the good guys, right? Yeah. Is this, is this coalition? Total. Mostly Kriegor. These are the Klingons. These are these are the Klingon people. The transgalactic empire is an autocratic civilization ruled by the Kriegor, a warlike race of inhuman creatures. The Kriegor are are the dominant race of the are yeah, are the dominant race of the transgalactic empire, but not the only one with power or influence over the empire. Unlike the CCW, the Transgalactic Empire has a policy of expansion, armed conquest, and slavery. So when you show the race, could you scroll up just a touch for the races? I saw something there. There you go. Oh, no, no. Go, go just, just right there at the beginning of that chapter. It, it was just missed. Okay. Tra machine people. Yes. That's, 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 they, they couldn't the, say robots or androids? Machine no, people? No, no, no. The, the, these are, these are uh, sentient machines that actually reproduce with another sentient machine to create another living machine that is based off of the, the programming of both parents. Somebody's been on Pornhub too much. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> the Kriegor were the result of Splugorth bioengineering, a former slave race that rose against his tormentors and was able to overthrow them, but only by becoming as savage and bloodthirsty as their one-time masters. The Kriegor have spread throughout the three galaxies like a plague, conquering and colonizing planets at a frenzied pace. Those who dared to oppose them were destroyed or defeated and enslaved. 
At first, the Kriegor constantly engaged in routine enslavement and genocide of other races, but as they matured as an intergalactic force, they realized those policies would eventually lead to their destruction. They'd end up eating themselves. The Kriegor then decided to accept worthy conquered races as near equals, kind of like uh, giving Roman citizenship, uh, uh, having a barbarian be a naturalized Roman citizen. Not quite a Roman citizen of birth, but much below, much above the barbarians, right? It's kind of like that. The transgalactic empire's golden age came to an end with the formation of the CCW. In the, uh, in the CCW or the, or the Federation, the Kriegor <laughs> found an enemy that could not be easily beaten. Realizing that an all-out war would destroy both civilizations, the Empire sued for peace. Oh, Amazing. wow. The Empire sued for peace. Well, hang on. Didn't accept peace from them. So actually said, you know what? Let's slow our roll a little bit. An uneasy peace treaty was signed, but centuries of resentment remained strong. More recently, the Transgalactic Empire has been rocked by civil war. A popular uprising on the planet of Good Hope, description to follow, soon spread to several conquered worlds and became an organized, well-armed rebellion. That's the problem with conquering all your worlds. They get all uppity. Like, we want to be free. I'm like, oh, damn it. Put them down harder. And I don't want you to be free. I'm like, oh, now we're, now we're fighting. Okay. The transgalactic empire is a monarchy ruled by the Kriegor emperor and the royal family. The royal family is made up of members of the Kriegor Royal Kriegor subspecies, a super powerful variant. It's kind of like uh, um, if if we only allowed the strongest and and uh, strongest and smartest genetically of our okay. race to rule us. Okay, that's basically what these Royal Kriegor are. Below below that are a number of ministries, usually filled by non-Kriegor public servants, mostly humans and wolfen. The ministers take care of the bureaucracy and administrative duties, such as tax collecting, funding, and other tasks. The, the royal Kriegor rule, they they uh, they declare wars, they declare peace. They're, they're kind of like... Uh, they don't uh, want to do Saudi the manual labor. No, no. They're, they're, they're kind of like Saudi princes. Okay. You know, they, they, they control all the wealth of the entire empire, but they don't really do much for the for the day-to-day -day running of the of the country of the civilization uh then we go to our last here's the krigor sure, picture, the picture of one there they are oh that's not Aren't they cute. lovely no i'm more interested in machine people now <laughs> look at that yep that's uh that's a thing that's and these are the royal krigor they're bigger stronger and faster and black why does that remind me of that? Looks like a Borg. No, it reminds me of the Ram Python from Battle Lords. There you go. Yes, a Ram Python from Battle Lords. This is reminiscent of. <laughs> yes. There's the machine people. I don't know why I did that. Just very slender. I don't know why either. That's that's weird. It Silhouette. Is. These these are Shadow Folk, Imperial Legionnaire. These are the the. Uh, uh, frontline warriors of the Kriegor Empire. In the, the famous Empire. words of Heathen Dog, be a legionnaire. There you go. And now we have the United Worlds of Warlock. There's a reason why this is last. Hold it's on, where, who's Dolph Lundgren down there? It's also the dumbest. Dolph Lundgren is a freedom fighter. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. The United Worlds of Warlock, they're a magic-centric society oh geez tolkien okay got it uh, it gets worse 
<laughs> where where the 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 CCW and the Transgalactic Empire they're based in science and spaceships and Star Wars Star Trek type stuff. This is more you know hoodoo voodoo. Yeah, but it's twenty percent elves, so it's like twenty percent French. They're gonna be running backward anyway. <laughs> the United World of Warlocks, worlds of Warlock, have one thing in common: magic. Three civilizations develop magical space travel and decide to join forces against outside threats. Makes sense. Yeah. The Loose Confederation grew to become a major planetary collective, the largest after the CCW and the Transgalactic Empire. That's why I'm putting them here. The first civilization to use magic instead of technology to fly spaceships was controlled by the elves from the Anvil Galaxy. One of the three galaxies, of course. These so-called star elves managed to open rifts to distant planets. The elves never learned how to build true spaceships. Instead, they opened rifts to other planets and just walked through. I mean, space travel made easy, right? No need for faster than light travel. No need for uh, any kind of portable atmosphere. No, I just walk, walk across the room. Another planet. It's a good deal if you can get it. The elves never learn how to build true spaceships. Instead, they open rifts from one planet to the next. Soon their bejeweled towers rose in several dozen worlds. Under High King Silverlight, who continues to rule thousands of years later, the Star Kingdom became a powerful spacefaring culture. Shortly afterward, they ran into the Warlocks. The Warlocks were a coalition of techno-wizards, warlocks and leyline walkers of diverse races. They used techno-wizardry to combine high technology and magic to travel between worlds. That makes sense. One of their starships reached a world within the Star Kingdom's domain. To their surprise, they discovered a spacefaring civilization that didn't know how to go to space. <laughs> Crazy to them, but hey, you do you, bro. Yeah, imagine getting that signal. Hey, guy, hey, boss, we found something here. So they they know all about the galaxy. They they, they go from one planet to the next, but they got no spaceships, man. You mean they just walk through a magical portal and that? Then why are we? Why do we do it this way? This seems dumb. <laughs> Space is filled with danger and death, darkness and, and destruction. If we can we just can bypass just, all of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get rid of all that. God dang it. All right. Anyway, let's go. The Star Kingdom elves were amazed at seeing ships that could float in the high orbit above them. Eh, that's pretty cool. Eh, don't need it, but it's cool as hell. They quickly realized the advantages of an enemy who could control space would enjoy over them and resolve to build their own space fleet. Ah, this is the rub. If you don't have any spaceships and your enemy has spaceships, they can bomb you from orbit. That's a disadvantage. So, okay, we get the idea of spaceships now. Got it. Check. Fortunately, the warlocks were not interested in such conquest. They had occupied a handful of uninhabited worlds, but their main interest was exploration. The warlock council and the elven high king met shortly after the first contract and treaty was of cooperation and mutual assistance was signed. Of course. The elves exchanged their rift creation magic for techno-wizardry and technology. Elven explorers discovered that ley lines existed in space and that their rift drives, described in the vehicle section, I'm going to get to that at the mm -hmm. end today, they were more effective if they followed those ley lines. Within a decade, all the cosmic ley line systems were mapped and used as space lanes. So the alliance slowly grew. Soon they met other civilizations. To their misfortune, their first neighbor happened to be Splugor. <laughs> wah, wah. Yep, you kind of rolled snake eyes on that one. The Splugorth and their minions did not waste time. An elven planet was attacked by surprise. Its defender overwhelmed and slaughtered. The so one Splugorth attacked? What's that? So one Splugorth attacked? 
Well, one one Splugorth armada. Each Splugorth controls hundreds of thousands of slaves and and you know thousands and thousands of ships. So they are a country. Each Splugorth has. But I'm saying Splugorths themselves are so powerful. I mean, so one was yeah, walking. You no, know, they, they they don't. But they're like huts. I told you they they send their minions in to go and get shot. Gotcha. Ah, too important to be shot. Uh, the warlocks and the elven Star King, Star Kingdom, rallied their fleets, but they found themselves outnumbered and outgunned by the Katani's, the the Katani fleet used by the Splugorth. Their main servitor race are are the Katani. Okay. Although the Katani were not experienced in fighting magic wielders, their numbers were much greater and their technology roughly equal in power and capabilities. In desperation, the magicians sent pleas of help throughout the ley lines, hoping somebody out there would come to the rescue. <laughs> and somebody did. Space dwarves, watch out, watch out, space dwarves. <laughs> in the middle of a major space battle, a planet-sized rift opened above the combatants. Through the space distortion came a horde of crude starships made of riveted iron and steel, enchanted to resist the hardship of space. The newcomers poured magical fire and lightning on the surprised Katani starships. Some of these strange ships' weapons projected many rifts along among the enemy, tearing their ships apart or transporting them to other dimensions. The elves and warlocks took the opportunity to tear into the Katani fleets. The Splugorth minions lost nine-tenths wow. of their ships. Their rescuers were dwarves from the other side of the Anvil galaxy. They had heard the call for help and responded. A, a harried meeting and treaty soon followed with the elves and warlocks promising to share their technology in return for a military alliance. The dwarven <laughs> guildmasters agreed and combined fleet counterattack and ravaged the Splugorth-controlled worlds liberating the slaves and running the Splugorth intelligences out of this dimension in the process. So, so wait, wait, wait. So it went from magic to, you know what? These spaceships are pretty cool. Let, let's, let's, let's work those in to, I don't know if that metal, uh, metal monstrosity over there's all riveted together in, but you know, it seems like they're kind of going backward. Well, yeah, they, they went from <laughs> pure magic to, to magic science hybrid to just wreck your face magic in a tin can. <laughs> That's what they end up doing. Uh, in the process, they captured a great deal of new knowledge, including pyramid technology and stone magic. After that victory, the three civilizations, space dwarves. I love it. <laughs> the liberated planets formed the United Worlds of Warlock. Many other planets have joined them, including world ruled by true Atlanteans. And those those are the the main three governments. I'm not going to go into how the world of war the world of warlock work. It it, it works like any magical society you think would. You know, and and to be cool. fair, they are also usually against slavery. They're very agmatic. They have a council that that handles all main things, and and they have governors that that handle regional conflicts and problems, stuff like Which that. Which means one day they'll get wiped out. Maybe, but but, but they, like they have space dwarves. Oh, they have space. Fair enough. They got space dwarves. <laughs> they, they can shoot rifts at people. That's big. If you want to know how the government works, buy the book. Buy the book. We, he yeah. present. He presented the overview of those three. I only yeah. starred one comment. Let me see if there's another one. Uh, okay. Let's. Uh, I have two start comments. Sorry, from the same person. So this is when you're talking about the the races and so forth. I don't know what this means, so I favor the Draconid myself. I don't know what a Draconid well, is. We didn't go over the Draconid. If you want me to go over the Draconid, go ahead and throw uh, throw comments, like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, 
I might go over the Draconid. And this is with regard to certain races being overpowered and so forth. He's like, uh, the even Naruni. the Okay, yeah, the 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 Naruni, uh, or Naruni, whatever you want to call. It. I don't I don't really care how you pronounce it. But uh, they they are their weapons and uh, and an armor manufacturer for for the galaxies. They 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 are a uh, uh, not not a trader race, but more of a uh, uh, shit. I can't think of a word. Uh, traders uh pr- producers of uh of uh weapons of war spaceships stuff like that they're really good at it and and their ships are really really good their guns are really really good so and and they trade with everyone you know they're, they're like a shit a ferengi <laughs> except oh. cooler oh, okay well, no, good. maybe not uh, oh okay no no they're they're, they're like ferengi they'll, they'll trade to anyone they don't care all right that if you want to know more, you can buy the book or you can like, subscribe, and share. Share with your friends and get some questions. And then Heathen Dog might answer them for you. Yep. Either in another video or just in the comments. Woo. All right. All right. Stand by. Apparently, this is important. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I, I looked at I know there's uh, four types. So Three. Well, Space Gates also. Well, I don't really count that. That's phase technology. That's the same thing as phase drives. But it is another way of going faster and light. It was in the same chapters. All right, give give me a sec. Yep. The Omni consumer products. Okay. I don't. I don't know. uh, I don't have wormwood. Wormwood doesn't interest me at all. The whole hell was a demon, daemon battle or whatever that goes on in Palladium. I mean, that would interest me for like Palladium fantasy. It doesn't interest me at all for uh, rifts type stuff. Oh, the Omni consumer, you know, uh, uh, RoboCop OCP. They they make they make everything, uh, government government, uh, you know, you know, guns and and stuff. You know, they made the RoboCop. That they made the Ed two hundred nine. You know, yeah, the Naruni do that. Yeah. So, but the one question is, are the mechanoids out here? Uh, no, I don't. But you you can put them there. I mean, mechanoids are like a virus; they go everywhere. And violence. I wasn't saying that it was exactly the same thing. I'm just saying that conceptually, I, I don't. Want, that's a fantasy thing. So, all right. Okay, for the final segment today, final segment, part of segment two, however you want to say this, Ethan Dog is going to talk to us about the different forms of faster than light space travel because there is more than one. You have options, maybe. On how you want to go faster than light and travel three galaxies. Galaxies are not small. You even just going the speed of light, it's going to take you well a lot longer time than you've Hundreds got. Hundreds of thousands of years to get yeah. to the next galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's got to be a way to travel between these three wonderful galaxies that we're going to be talking about. So there right. are there are there are three main types of faster than light travel for spaceships. Three main types, and all of them go much faster than any Star Trek vessel could possibly imagine. Well, okay. Maybe not in one episode of, of TNG, the traveler, whatever, but 70,000 light years on a, uh, you know, in a year is what is, is what they not a year, but in at a time maybe is what they can do. This, this gets, this gets bullshit crazy. All right. So let's, <laughs> let's go on. Main obstacle to spacefaring races is breaking the so-called light barrier, the seemingly impossible impossibility to travel faster than the speed of light. Without transcending light speed, travel between planets would take centuries or even millennia. 
The civilizations of the three galaxies have discovered three different systems to break the light barrier. Faves drives, gravitic drives, and rift drives. Other cultures, excuse me, of the megaverse have a uh, space fold drives a la Robotech. The Zentradi and the Invid, and uh, I'm sorry, the Zentradi and the Zentradi Masters, they use space fold technology. But in a high magic environment, space fold technology sucks. Wow. It okay. Commonly fails. Protoculture can't even grow within 100 miles of, of a ley line, let alone a rift. So high magic areas like the three galaxies here, space fold is bad. It's flip a, flip a coin or if you live or die, it's not good. Don't okay. do it. The first one, the this is the safest, but the the hardest to actually maintain is the phase drive. P drives are very common among vessels used by civilians and independent worlds. They use phase tech to envelop the ship in a phase field that partially removes it from physical reality and the limitations of normal speed. Even normal propulsion systems can accelerate the ship hundreds of times the speed of light when it's in phase. Think of it this way. If mass is the defining factor of whether you can go faster than light, remove the mass. Now you can go. And that's what phase drive does. It shifts your mass to another dimension, but still keeps it coherent enough to where it follows your now image in our space time. Great. That there seems are, like cheating. It is cheating. That does, FTL is cheating. All of it is. These are the limiting factors. One, the maintenance of phase drives remains a mystery to everyone other than the Promethean race. Remember, Prometheans are the only natural phase users. And a phase drive, if you crack the hood on these things, parts of it are not in this dimension. Only a Promethean can repair these things. As a consequence, most people buy enough spare parts <laughs> to make two, possibly even three drives out of because if something breaks, they got to black box it. They got to take out the broken box and put in a new part. Or else they're stuck. Wherever they are, that's now where they live. You don't want that. Unless you have a Promethean first stage technician on board, then he can repair it. Good for you. Part two, P drives can only safely function for 12 hours at a time. Then it has to stop and recalibrate its system takes 1d6 plus six hours. For every hour of uninterrupted travel beyond 12, you could, there's a 10% chance you can go 3d6 times 1,000 light years off course. Well, here's we were how, on track and now we're over here. Exactly. Now here's here uh, here's how fast they are. Um, where, where are we? Where's the speed? Uh, hundreds of times the speed of light when it's in phase. The average P drive has a speed of one light year per hour. Ships using the most powerful thrusters can go 10 light years per hour. So in that 12 hours, you can go 120 light years. And if you're off course? You you go 3D4 times 1,000 light years off course. So huh. I, I, wish, I, I wish you could do a controlled off course. That would be nice, right? <laughs> That'd be a lot cooler. You're either there or so far away that you'll never get to where you want to go. That's, you know, or it'll take you forever. Third, the you can't operate in an atmosphere or near a gravity well. You have to be between 10 and 20,000 miles away from a planet, depending on how big the planet is, to initiate a phase drive. If you do it too close to a planet, you will be attracted to the gravity well and smack into the planet. 
if you shut off a if you if you phase drive into the atmosphere of a planet you will squish like a bug on a windshield you don't want that either so technically the safest way to go but also with the with the most caveats only there's only one race of people that can fix it and it's very expensive because you have to buy whole replacement components rather than being able to repair any so it's safe to use about as safe as happy fun ball happy fun ball oh old saturday night live skit don't look oh. at happy fun ball don't don't use happy fun ball happy fun ball might start smoking yeah that's good all right the next most used ftl uh technology is the contragravitic drive now this one breaks now what we know of gravity but and and faster than light travel but yeah, come on it's a game shut up most face space bearing civilizations of phase world universe use gravitonic technology for transportation as well as some for weapon systems gravitons are subatomic particles that travel in waves the interaction of these particles determines the forces of gravity in this increasingly hypothetical universe, right? Uh, large, large, large amounts of mass create gravitons, which the effect of is gravity. These people learned to not only identify gravitons, but to create them artificially. Okay. The scientists of many cultures discovery is relatively easy to make once a civilization reaches the right level realized that opposing graviton waves could be canceled out, thereby nullifying the effects of gravity over a given object. The discovery that followed this realization was even more important. If an object was freed from the bonds of all gravity in, a null, in an artificial null gravity environment, it was now no longer limited to the speed of light. A ship enveloped in a contra-graviton field, commonly known as a CG field, could theoretically reach speeds unimaginable. And they do. Uh, commonly, starships have a roof of about eight light years per hour, 70,000 times the speed of light. Now, slower than a phase drive, it goes to 10. But any race of high enough level can actually fix it. So I mean, eight light years per hour is no sludge. Think about Alpha so Proxima Centauri. Alpha Centauri is like, what, four point whatever light years from here? That's a yeah. half hour. That's, That's a, a half, half hour. Trip, you know, that, you know, uh, with with the proper amount of Michigan construction, that's that's me to uh, to the nearest microcenter. Okay. Uh, in practical terms, however, the most CG drive starships have a roof of about eight, uh, and like phase drives, have to be disengaged when approaching a planet. You don't want to squish like a bug. But, yeah, but I, I would think that's true across the board. You know what? We're getting kind of close. Let's turn this thing yeah, off. <laughs> exactly. But they, they can they can stop and initiate closer. Before it was like t around 10 to 50,000. Here it's 10,000 miles. Yeah, 10,000 miles really isn't that far away. I mean, how far is the moon from us? Like 250,000? 250,000 miles. Yeah. That's that's the moon. About average. 250,000 miles. Uh. The only two other FTL systems are phase drives and rift drives. Phase tech is rare and expensive and rift jumping is dangerous. So neither system is popular as this one. So this is the most popular. It's not as fast as phase drives. It's not as cheap as rift drives, but it's most reliable. And it is able to be worked on by anyone. Okay. As a Battletech fan, jumping is the way to go. I want to oh, know about these rift jump drives. You're I'm not going to like the rift jump thing. This is not great. <laughs> This is this is the the hillbilly hillbilly space travel right here. This is <laughs> okay. this is like duct tape and bailing wire. Hope it works. Here's what happens: rift jump drives. Uh, 
The three galaxies contain several, you know, remember, space dwarves use this. <laughs> oh, right? okay. All right. The three galaxies contain several advanced civilizations that rely on magic for space travel. They have devised a techno, techno wizard rift drive or rift jump drive. The rift jump drive opens two rifts, one at your current location and one where you want to go. The ship then travels through a dimension of swirling lights and colors called the flux dimension and emerges <laughs> through the other rift light years away. The PPE cost on the rift creation is great, and the rift drive ship require PPE batteries of great bulk and or the services of powerful magician or magicians. Close proximity to any planet disrupts the complicated calculations necessary, so don't do that. You have to be, be usually between five and 50,000 miles away, depending on the size of the planet. A small planet's 50, Jupiter is 50,000. I'm sorry, five and Jupiter is 50,000. Uh, close. Blah, blah, blah. The first rift ships were crude rocket devices that carried the travelers into high orbits before the drive could kick in. Current models combine standard technology with techno wizardry. Rift drives and the PPE batteries they need are too big for small ships like fighters and small vessels. Oh. The smallest vessels can be that can be equipped with a rift drive are medium transports and and frigates. Excuse me. Small ships can be piggybacked on a large rift-driven ship, but there's a 10% chance of falling off and getting stuck in the flux dimension. <laughs> you don't want that. You're done. Hang on tight. Roll once for each hour of travel. Wait a minute. It's a rift. You go in one side, you go out the other. What's this hour of travel nonsense? Oh, I'm How long sorry. does it take to get through the flux? Yeah, you have to travel through the flux dimension. And, uh, well, it doesn't say. Where, where does it say? You know it what? It, anybody who goes through doesn't want to relive that, recount that again, so nobody's ever written it down. I guess not. All right. And then, of course, there's the other thing, the, the space gate jump system. The, the, the space gates around... Uh, around phase world if you look if you you know were here earlier today or you saw the earlier video uh there are 64 space gates around phase world and if you have a device in your ship you can click the device and you're instantly shunted through the space gate to phase world for whatever it's a 10 mile wide uh wormhole generator a la uh stargate franchise but it's only a one-way trip it's a one-way trip you bet you got to get yourself home you can get there, but you can't get back. And then, of course, there's the different sublight propulsion systems, uh, which which are covered not only here, but in After the Bomb or Mutants in Orbit. They have the ion drive, the solar sails, stuff like that. That's all here as well. But the, the most common is the contragravitic drive, which uses gravity. It creates gravity in front of the ship to pull it forward. Here's what I'm not seeing or I'm not understanding properly. What's that? How do you get from one galaxy to the next? Well, no, I, 10 light years per hour and you have to stop for every 12 hours, whatever. Well, again, it's still hundreds of thousands. Again, I started off the whole thing saying that in the, in the infinite universe, there has to be three galaxies that are so super close together and so small that this kind of travel is logistically appropriate. I mean, so I don't I have the three galaxies books. Do you? Well, I have the, it, it, I, it probably says the size of them or okay. whatever, but, yeah. but, uh, going, going 10, 10 light years per hour and you have to shut down every 12 hours and take one D six hours to recalibrate, then go another 12 hours. 
it's going to take you weeks to get to get anywhere of significance. But if the galaxies are small enough and they're close together, then this is a doable thing. Th think of it this way. Uh, in, in Star Wars, they, they travel in hyperspace, which is either equal to or a little bit faster than light speed. But it takes them two weeks to get from one end of the galaxy to the other. That galaxy has to be super small compared to ours. Because our galaxy is, what, 100, 150,000 light years across? Something like that. I, I don't know. Something like that. It'll take them forever to get across our galaxy, but our galaxy is big compared to them. So it's it's all about scale. If you scale down these three galaxies and make them close together, then this is a doable form of travel. And violence tells everything says they are not small enough and close enough uh, to make things as fast as you'd like. Take a lot of time to get from one place to another, which does I don't have a problem with in terms of like you know scientific relevance. Uh, I don't I don't know enough to be fair. I don't know enough about the three galaxies. I don't have that book. I have the phase rule book, not the other ones. Um, because it's not all that important to me, but it's just, it's curious to me that you've got these three galaxies and they're all supposed to kind of know each other well enough to know that they're, you know, that they're there. And then eh, it's still going to take you a hundred years to get from here to there. So it's that scientific realism. Like what I thought, and this is where I was mistaken. I thought that those uh, space gates were two way. So it's like, okay, there's only 64 of them here, but there's probably a few in each one of the galaxies. You can get to a, like a little center point and then maybe you have to travel a few weeks to where you're going. But no, it says it's one way. Okay. Uh, oh, page 50 of Phase World for sizes. Well, when Heathen Dog comes back, I'll have him quickly go to page 50 and then we'll end this for today. We'll take a look at that. But uh, while he's gone, I will put proclivities up on the screen to remind everybody. We believe hashtag RPGate, escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Click on that little QR code right there in order to uh, don't help donate to the Wounded Warrior Project. That is our streaming schedule. We have two days on Twitch and two days here on YouTube. And I don't need to rest. Like, subscribe, and share. So, like I said, once, once he comes back, we will... We'll look at that page fitty because he has it. Oh, uh, Corkscrew is 90,000 light years long. Thunderclaw is 20 uh, away. 20, so 20,000, I guess, away and 30,000 light years long. Sorry okay, that, that makes sense. Uh, can you go to page 50 real quickly? Of that book? What? 50? 50. I was there. Yeah. Yeah, he says that's uh, where it tells the size of the galaxies. Okay, we don't uh, have to read this. Three galaxies. Uh, okay, there oh. it is right there. 90,000 uh, light years the long. Corkscrew galaxy is 90,000 light years long and 2,000 light years thick. The thundercloud is 20,000. And the anvil is smallest galaxy. 20, the maximum distance from the, from the tip of the three galaxies. Let's say, it says right down there. Uh, just leave it where it is. Uh, the maximum distance from one tip of the three galaxies. So the other is 170,000 light years. So you're you're probably not going to be a, a a galaxy jumper in your lifetime, probably not. But the the these galaxies are either you know eighty five percent our galaxy or or seventy percent our galaxy to one twenty fifth or one thirtieth the size of our galaxy. So it is possible going ten light years per hour to traverse, especially the thundercloud galaxy. You can do it. I don't know if this comment helps humans, but most of the phase world races are very long lived. And so long space travel isn't a big deal. 
doesn't help sucks. humans at all. Yeah, it sucks to be human. Yeah, it sucks to be humans. But if you're if you're Promethean or or the or the shadow folk or the or the specter folk or whatever, then yeah, you're you're probably good to go. All right. So that is I guess that's it for space travel faster than light. And again, the importance of that was to say, hey, there are three galaxies out there. You've got to have a way to, of traversing them. And Rifts offers you three, well, kind of four, three and a half-ish ways of, uh, of of doing that. So if you want anything else, if there's something he didn't cover that you wish he would have, uh, an RCC, OCC, or talk about one of the galaxies or something, if that's important to you, put it in the comments. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing what you guys have to say about this coverage. I am skipping segment three today. Oh, sorry, okay. sorry guys. Um, I'm skipping segment three today. Unless somebody says right now, oh my God, I really, 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 really have to talk to you and I can't put it in a comment. Uh, probably going to skip segment three. One, I know he's on a time crunch. I've got to you know, turn this into six videos. So, but I, I will give like one, one moment here for people yeah. to... Uh, yeah, one minute. One minute, people. Yeah. And, and uh, the other reason is because our introduction was a big, long... I mean, yeah, it was like it was 45 huge. minutes, so... Going back to the Babylon 5 analogy, the Vorlons are the ones who actually invented the gate tech most of the races actually use. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Oh, Walter MC has a good comment there that I that I didn't know. Uh, remember that a rift drive's output is doubled on a space ley line and tripled at a space nexus or Lagrange point. Uh, that That's not covered in the main book right right away. But okay. yes, I mean, it, it, was, it, it, was, it was covered in the in the uh, world of warlock description or worlds of warlock description where they, they uh, charted all of the space ley lines where yes, you can move faster on a space ley line than not, but uh, it is generally the slowest form of travel. I think it's like five or six light years per hour, maybe even four, but on, on a space ley line, it doubles maybe even, maybe in triples. I'm not sure, but uh, you do go much faster, significantly faster on a space ley line. Would you like to tell the kind folks here what you're going to be talking about next week? I won't be here next week. Next week is Easter. Oh. You knew that. I thought, no, I thought, that, was, I thought it was the beginning of May that you weren't going to be here. Also then. Oh. You got to write that in chat. <laughs> I, 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 wrote it, I wrote it in Discord. <laughs> no, you told me, you didn't know you told me before the stream oh, a couple I'm weeks sorry, ago. Yeah, I told yeah. you, yeah. Now, uh, next week I won't be here. It's Easter Sunday. I'll be with my family at my, at my cousin's house. We're having dinner and lunch it's my mom's gonna be there everyone's gonna be there it's been nice but uh the week after that that'll be the 16th uh yes yeah 16th that'll be the 16th i will be making the uh the conversion of the uh of the uh either character and or uh palladium game to riffs that we see the most comments on on the video on discord we'll count them all up and the winner gets a conversion. So that's what I'll be doing on the 16th. And on the 23rd, uh, at the moment, I forget what, what's the Atlantis. Time? Oh yes. We're, we're going to, we're going to talk about the Splugorth again, a little, little more detail this time, but uh, we're going to talk about the Splugorth again because they have a dimensional market on earth on the <laughs> continent slash Island of Atlantis. You and too can do. own a slave girl. Yeah. You too can own a Splugorth slave girl for the right price. Well, Does Travis says I vote Wolfen for conversion, but Wolfen what? Like, I mean, it doesn't have to be a class with that, like a Wolfen. Well, a, a Wolfen race, does, I don't believe, turns into an MDC anything when you go to Rifts. Yeah, but if, if it's a, like a, a Palladium Fantasy Wolfen Paladin or some whatever, 
Yeah, yeah. You have to give the system, like yeah. Plating Fantasy, Beyond the Supernatural, uh, Nightbane, um, uh, Heroes Unlimited, uh, Ninjas and Super Spies, uh, Scrapers. I'll, I'll I'll do Scrapers. It's fine. Scrapers isn't that another Rifts thing? No, it's it's an SDC world. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Well, no, Phase World Wolfen. But that's well, already he wants, no, he, he wants me to talk about them because they are they are pretty cool. Oh, 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 oh well, I mean, Wolf and are cool. Well, yeah, it, 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 it's not part of the conversion, but they okay. they are a pretty cool. Well, put that when these videos go up, probably the Promethean one will be the best one. When these videos go up this week, uh, go ahead and make a comment in there, and then we'll we'll know. Uh, look at that. See, because remember, he's like, ah, dimension books, whatevs. Nobody likes what them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, nobody's clamoring to jump on in here. So we are going to skip segment three today. I'll, uh, I've answered a bunch of comments. So, uh, you know, through typing, so I don't need to do it here anyway. So I don't think I have anything to say because I said a lot of it in the beginning, Friday night chill stream. You know, what one of the topics is remember use our discord and I have a reactions forum intentionally so that I can easily grab the topics. If you think it is Friday night chill stream, debatable you know for our panel not just some meme or whatever go ahead and uh, post it there and either i'll accept it and we'll talk about it or i'll deny it and delete it you know you can always still talk about it in the insanity on the internet section so other than that let me put up the thank you and get ready to walk us out of here and yes you got any final comments words of oh, wisdom okay. whatever all right uh <clears throat> Well, really, no. I mean, to, today there's not really any words of wisdom. It was just all information. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm really proud of myself for the space dwarf thing. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> but other than that, no, I got nothing. Well, then you know what? I'm just gonna. Oh, I may or may not. It's one. It's up to him, and two, up to my time. Play in um, GM's Elcove's game. So if you want to check that out, watch me try to play Pathfinder Two again. If it's a whole bunch of ifs in there, it's not a main character. I don't want to interrupt his game and so on and so forth. But if he's got a space for me and I've got the time, he said he'll he'll let me uh, jump back in. If you want to see me cry over Pathfinder Two? Check out the GM's Elcove channel. And with that, oops, I almost clicked the wrong button. I hope uh, each and every one of you has a wonderful week.